Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 63, Furious 7, Lap 5. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by the Connecticut Parachutist, skydivect.com. Connecticut Parachutist Skydiving Club was established in 1962 and moved to the Ellington Airport in 1970. They are one of the oldest skydiving clubs in the country. For over 50 years, they've promoted the sport of skydiving to thousands of people worldwide. Skydivect.com. Very exciting. And this is our New Year's Eve episode, so there's one. There's oh, still time right. to learn one more thing this year, and that is how to parachute in Connecticut. Or it could be your New Year's resolution. Oh, I like that. Looking ahead to tomorrow, to next year, to next decade. 2020 vision. Whew. All right. I'm on it. I'm so on it. Well, here to close out the year, to close out the decade, we have Furious 7. After the break, Carol will be joining us, of course, again, to talk about Furious 7. I was thinking, Joe, this has nothing to do with Furious 7, really, but I was excited to get to weirdly, uh, not maybe not weirdly, but get to Hobbs and Shaw, because it's the first time sort of in lap that we've gotten to the movie. And I also oh, yeah. haven't seen it since theater. Like, I've owned the 4K since it came out a couple weeks ago or whatever, but I haven't watched it since I saw it for the third time in theaters. Like, it's been a while. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. I haven't seen it since um, I watched it twice in the theaters. I was, like, waiting to put it in the lap, because, I mean, you know, we're going to watch them for Infinity. So I was, like, not in a rush to get to rewatch it before we had to. And I know that uh, resident historian Mike Manzi, I think, got it for Christmas from someone because he sent me a picture of it, so that was very exciting. Oh, cool. And very I also cool. put on our Facebook and Twitter a, a gift that he got me, which is, the, yes. which is a thing that I did not know existed. Like, I don't know why this... Like, I love it, but I don't know why it was like, oh, yeah, people will buy this. It's The Fate of the Furious, the album on vinyl, which is super cool. Like, I love that Mike got it for me. Yes, the OST. It's yes. like the, the, yeah. But, like, why did Universal think that they were going to make a lot of, like, are, are people really clamoring for The Fate of the Furious vinyl, I guess? I mean, like, at this point, they have some original songs on them, right? It's not, like, all a compilation. That's so true. So you'd get that. So I, I'm sure that this is pretty much, like, the only way you could get some of these tracks on vinyl, right? Plus, like, you know, like, vinyl's coming back in a big way. Sure. So it's like a hip thing. You I'm got sure to gang was... up in vinyl. I guess. Yeah, apparently. First up, Joe, before we go any further, and this sort of ties right into it because we just celebrated Christmas, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to, both pre-Christmas and Christmas, since we recorded our The Night Before the Fast and the Furious? The main thing that I did was last weekend, I went to MetLife Stadium, saw the Jets and Steelers game. I'm, I'm very sorry. It's okay. They lost. We used... Two quarterbacks in three different arrangements, so that was always fun, right? Yeah, I like that you wore a jersey and the guy's like, no, nah, I'm not going to throw a bunch of picks and I'm going to get myself taken out of the game. Like, that's a that's a nice way to support the fans. But then they put in Mason Rudolph, and then he got injured, mm-hmm. and then Duck came back in the game. Either way, it was a blast. I mean, like, I'm not expecting much from this season from the jump. I had fun. Me and a bunch of our friends went. We, like, you know, drank some beers beforehand in the parking lot, went in. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a ton of Steelers fans there, obviously. It was about 50-50, I would say. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I guess there are really, there aren't really... Jets fans who want to go to the end of the season exactly. when they're like already out. Yeah, everybody was fun in the in the stadium. I like Jets fans. We go, to, you know, we've said it before. We go to games down there just because I think that they're fun. Their fans are fun, and it's just like a fun day to go see a game. That was about it. I didn't do anything for Christmas. I just hung out. It was awesome. It was like a really quiet. Nice Christmas for me. Good. So. Very cool. Christmas, I guess going backwards, Christmas, my sister flew up from Texas. 
And so cool. I did my – so I had sort of like a mini existential crisis. And like I Why? didn't have this for Thanksgiving, but my parents both retired, and they're probably moving in the next year. And so I was yes. sitting there yesterday like, oh, this is probably going to be the last Christmas I have in this house. And I didn't really Ooh. get like – wistful for the house but more so for like oh everything's gonna change like i think that's sort of when it Mm -hmm. hit me you know what i mean like you're gonna have to go to wherever they retire to now for christmas if you want to go with them and like exactly which i don't mind but it's just like a oh like everything that i'm thinking about is going to be different and i didn't Mm -hmm. have that on thanksgiving and i don't know why i don't know if it was because my sister wasn't up or whatever but like the fact that i would have to fly to texas or wherever they move you know i'm just like oh like it's it's not gonna be bad it's just gonna be weird and different and the things that i sort of Mm -hmm. have kind of taken for granted for a while i'm just like oh like it's everything's changing very soon yeah so that was fun (laughs) i was just like oh no like this is weird uh but my sister's still up and so by the time this comes out she will have headed home also she doesn't listen to the podcast this doesn't matter it doesn't matter but uh we're doing some more family dinners and stuff like that it's always good to see her though i showed you of course i showed you the picture one of the little gifts that she got me was this like little like cube it's like sort of like two inches by two inches on each side and it's like i don't know if they're sour or what they are because i haven't opened them yet because i I don't even know if i want to open them because like i love the way it looks she got these like little in the shape of limes corona chews like lime chews yeah it's just like this like cute little you know fast and furious adjacent gummy candy i love it yeah exactly yeah but it's familial gummy candy familial true it is what else have i done i think i just saw oh so i went to past guest christian larson had a christmas party on friday night so i went there i saw him and also past guest and future guest uh, brian rodriguez was there too so that was very fun nice and then the only other thing that i you know my keeping my streak of movie brief movie reviews going saw the new star wars really liked it uh, mm-hmm. Seem to be like one of the only people who really likes it. Although there are sort of, it feels like it was weird. It was a mixed bag. I yeah. saw like a lot of great reviews. Like people were like, "This is awesome," and then I saw a lot of people being like, "They ruined everything." And it's like, very weird, and I think part of the reason that I really liked it was because I was expecting so little. Like I don't really expect anything of these movies because I didn't. Like I've said, I didn't really grow up on Star Wars. We talked about that. Yeah. But I think because everybody came out with just like this movie is terrible. It ruins the franchise. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be bad," and then I was like, "Oh wait, no, this is fun." Like it's kind of all over. The place. Surprised. Who cares? It's fun. So I yeah, really like cool. that. On Saturday, uh, I had a very full day, and this is when Mike gave me the vinyl because I went up to because we we sort of have now a three year running annual tradition of like getting together and seeing two or three movies in December at the mall near mm-hmm. him. And so I went up there. We recorded a podcast for Hanks of the Memories. Then nice. we went to see Cats, which was who boy. Uh, I, I don't, can't wait to see it. I don't I'm have so words excited. for Cats. Okay, perfect. Language does not describe cats. Cats is beyond, transcends time and space, I think. And Did language... you see the um, the patched version? The no, 1. I saw the original version. version. I saw the OG version. Oh, okay. There okay. is, apparently, the what one thing that they're fixing, I think, is that a, one scene toward the end, Judy Dench, who plays a cat, because everybody yep. plays a cat, uh, she has a human hand at one point. Yep. Uh, but Cats was, who? And then we saw the new Charlie Theron movie, Bombshell. I feel like that was, I feel like that was, oh, no, it was Atomic Blonde. So she did Atomic Blonde and then Bombshell. Yes. And okay. this is about the Fox News, the firing of Roger Ailes for oh, sexual right. misconduct. Yeah. And so after... Is it Margot Robbie in it too? Yes. It's her okay. and Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie. And oh, so damn. after we Three saw the movie, ladies. I won't go too in-depth on it because I've already talked about it because we went back to Mike's house and then Kara of this very lap came mm-hmm. over Mike's house and she and I and Mike talked about 
Bombshell for our Watch the Throne podcast. Nice. And also talked about uh, Jailhouse Rock, Elvis's third movie for Aviva Pod Vegas. So I saw two movies and did three podcasts with Mike on Saturday. Very exciting, very full day. And yeah. that was kind of what I've been up to. Oh, I also do want to point out, I sort of have teased it on here, I think, a little bit. But just like I did my favorite TV shows of the decade, I put out my favorite movies of the decade. So if you go to mm-hmm. cageclub.me, on the sidebar, on desktop, or the bottom on mobile... You can see that post. If you care about the movies that I love, I mean, spoiler, there's a couple of Fast and Furious movies on there. Duh. Go check that out. So that's basically cool. all I've been up to, which is kind of a lot and also kind of not a lot. I have one last thing, and that's something that Wes, Mr. Wes Hampton mm-hmm. reminded me of. This episode's coming out on New Year's, so if you happen to be listening to this in the morning as it comes out, I'm going to post it on social media too, but reminder... CNN's oh, right. New Year's Eve broadcast yes, yes, yes. is the wackiest, zaniest shit you've ever seen, and you should probably watch it. But yes. I'll put it on the the social medias, too, and hopefully you guys check it out and catch it. It's definitely not political or anything like that, so don't be, like, worried about, like, you know, how intense it gets. It's not. It's just Anderson Cooper getting wasted. It's completely chaos, so. Andy Cohen getting wasted, Don Lemon getting wasted, everybody yeah. getting wasted, just, you know... Anderson Talking Cooper nonsense. Skyping with his parents for some reason every year. There's a drag show at some yeah, point. It's, it's, just, it's just wild. It's the the least CNN thing that they do all year. I also can't imagine, you know, the festivities of ushering a new decade. Like, it's going to be the next level, I can imagine. I hope so. It's going to be an all-timer tonight. It's, it's, yeah, it, is. it seems like it gets zanier every year, right? Like, the more we watch it, like, the, the wilder it gets, so. Like, I wonder if there's, like, a bell curve where it was, like, it maybe started with, like, I can't believe we're doing this on TV, and then, like, once they're like, oh, yeah, this is fine, if they, like, sort of try to push the envelope a little bit more, you know what I mean? Because it's almost like... I don't know. Because I think the, I think the so initial too. appeal was, like, I can't believe this is CNN, and now that it's sort of like, oh, this is just what we do, it's like, well, like, what are they going to do this year? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, yeah, why is this happening? It's like, well, what's going to happen next? And I don't know if they're, like, intentionally trying to push it, or they just, like, got away with so much the year before that it's kind of just, like, kids, like, they just keep, like, pushing the boundaries yeah. unintentionally. Don't like, know. I don't think that they're planning it to be, like, okay, like, we got a top last year yet. I think it's just like, oh, like, we got away with this last year, so let's try this and see if they, like, get pissed about it. I'm very excited to see what happens tonight, wink, wink, tonight on New Year's tonight. Eve. You know, what times it probably start, like, 7 or 8? It's, like, it's a while, like, and it goes it's into the hours one. in the morning. You know, they'll do New Year's Eve in New York, so that's at midnight, and then they go to, like, Denver for, like, 1 a.m., or somewhere, you know, like, like maybe, like, uh, I don't know, Louisiana or something. I think they do one in Louisiana, then they do, like, Denver, then they do, like, California or something. So it goes till three and they do like three different New Year's Eves for it. Crazy. Crazy. Cool. So we have a Patreon page here on the show, TooFast2Forever.com if you want to go over there. So here's a thing. Okay. Well, actually, let's talk about the Patreon after the mailbag because we got clarification or a question or like a revelation in the mailbag about Patreon. So we'll do that later. You You also have an idea about something to add to the Patreon, which oh, we'll talk about I later. Do. I forget what it is, though, so I hope you remember. I do. And I also, okay. of course I do. That's my job. And also, Good. I want to talk about reviews after, because we've sort of got a little bit of a revelation there, too. There are no new reviews, but let's get to the mailbag, and I will, this will all come full circle. Hopefully. Yes, exactly. Okay, three emails today, Joe. First up, from Justin Kleinman. Subject line, Francor's Fallen Star. Okay. And he wrote, if you remember, last episode... Yeah, it was the baseball player, right? Yes, we read the review of, by this wonderful review, written by Francor's Fallen Star. We're like, who is this? And I should have, and I'm so bummed that I didn't, because I thought it. When Justin joined our Patreon, and when he emailed us, it was the same date that this review was written. And I should have said out loud, 
I bet it's him because I feel like it's the kind of thing like, let me just spend half an hour, do all my Fast and Furious things, make these guys mm-hmm. really happy. Let me show the world how good of a person I am. This is all Justin Clement said. All complimentary, of course. And I yes. should have said, like, this was probably him. I didn't. I can't really brag about it, but just know that I thought it. So Justin says, okay. ha, 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 ha. He says, I laughed hard when I heard that. Yes, he was a prospect for the Braves, Jeff Francoeur, and was supposed mm-hmm. to be the shit. I drafted him as a top minor league prospect in the inaugural season of my fantasy baseball league in 2004 and stuck by him failed year after failed year. <laughs> I made him my mascot and apparently named my iTunes screen name after him. I literally had no idea that my name was that. Although I have an iPhone, I stream everything through Spotify, so I made a special trip to iTunes to leave that review, and I meant every word of it too funny. Well, thank you for the review, and that's awesome that you actually nailed it. You called it. That's really good. I was, because I was just like, it, it feels like the kind of thing where, like, I remember when Alex Ellenin joined our Patreon, like, somebody who had never written in before, he joins the Patreon and sends the first email. Like, to me, it makes sense that, like, if you're going to do one thing, you're going to do, like, a few things in a row. And yeah, so whether exactly. that's, you know doing something on Patreon and sending us an email or email and review or whatever. And so I thought it could be the case, but I'm glad confirmation. And also, uh, thank you, Justin. If you want to, anybody else wants to follow in Justin's footsteps, give us the gift that keeps on giving. Go over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating review. Because Spotify doesn't show reviews or ratings. They're just like, this Ah, is the show. It's weird. Not, Not a bad thing, but it's just, you know, iTunes is still, Apple Podcasts is still the biggest distributor i think in the world of podcast so true even if you just give us a five-star rating if you don't have words to give us if you just want to give us five stars boost that up 18 five-star reviews bunch of wonderful reviews thank you guys justin continues i didn't realize that patreon people got an early listen to the podcast he says it came through Ah. the perfect time while i was getting drowsy behind the wheel on a long drive interesting okay cool so here's what i wanted to say we've mentioned before but maybe we don't mention enough that there's a bunch of perks over on patreon this podcast is free will forever be free but if you do support us on patreon you get access to swag and merchandise you get not access to you just get swag and merchandise like right now we have yeah. stickers uh eventually mm-hmm. we're gonna do t-shirts we're gonna do other sort of weird kind of cool car related stuff but right now there's stickers so if you join mm-hmm. the five dollar tier or above you get stickers you get early access to episodes so every week we'd put up the intro usually yes. like on thursday or friday the new episode comes out tuesday so if you don't want to wait a full week for the new episode the intro drops sort of midweek ish yeah once we get enough patrons i don't remember what the threshold that i set over there is we will do bonus episodes which will probably be do we'll probably do commentaries like live commentaries where we get together and just talk about one of the movies so that'll be exclusive over there the important thing i think this is the one that we talk about the most is the fast and furious minute document that Mm -hmm. every time we do the fast and furious minute you and i spend way too much time adding way too many details (laughs) like this episode this minute that we're going to get to there's not like you can look at it be like oh not a lot happens but then if you are in our mind you go in there you're like oh there's so much to make note of and this minute in particular is going to be a very in-depth minute so if you want all of the notes all of the history oh my god a cheat sheet (laughs) for the quiz questions the fast and furious minute document this is the big one. We talk about this a lot. I think your choice at certain tiers for pit stop movies and themes. So if you're high enough up, you get to, you get to pick something that we cover. But patrons of any level get to vote once per lap on what we do, like a poll, like this lap was yes. into the blue, was patron selected over mm-hmm. there. So you get voting rights, and at a high enough tier, you get to pick what we watch. 
you also get our undying love and affection. And Always. here's the new one. This was your idea. If yes. you, and this is, you were asking what tier we should put it at. And I think we should put it at the $25 tier because I want that tier to be aspirational. There's no one there because that is a stupid amount of money to give us per month. But it's absolutely true. In addition to having the ability to program an entire lap, pick a theme, mm-hmm. pick every pit stop. In addition to that, you will also get to play the Fast and Furious character quiz on air with us. You'll come on. Yep. We'll talk with you for a while. It's sort of like a mini episode as part of a bigger episode. Yeah, I think it could be like almost its own bonus type thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Kind of like the wrap-up thing, like beginning of the lap. You could tell us your theme at the beginning of the lap, whatever you want, you know? Yes. You would come on here, you you know, introduce you to the world. I mean, people, I'm assuming that the people who are listening to this who would think about, entertain the idea of doing $25 a month are people that we know about, that the listeners know about too. So it's not like we would be like really introducing you to the world. But you could come on here. And also, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do this. Like, if, if the Absolutely idea of, like, putting true. your voice out there is weird, you don't have to do this. Joe, the idea to sort of, you know, I think was you were probably inspired by Wes wanted to do the quiz or whatever for... Exactly. Wes was like, can we do the quiz for Christmas for his movies, right? I think it might have been the marathon before the new movie. That's right. That's right. He said, like, yeah, can we do the quiz? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And when I was listening to the episode, I was like, oh, that would be really fun. We should have a tier that you could come on. We could do the quiz with you. Because I remember we talked about it before. Somebody else asked to do the quiz. And we were like, yeah, it would be fun if you, like, did it. But, like... I think most of the fun comes with us being like, oh, you know, like asking side questions and stuff like that. So Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, eventually we're going to make this a public facing quiz. I don't know exactly how to do that because I think it requires a little bit of coding expertise that is beyond my meager pay grade. However, in the interim, if you want to come on, and also I think it's just fun to come on and just sort of get your quiz. like It's like getting your fortune told by us two idiots. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, again, I said it, I said before, I'll say it again, our undying love and affection. So there's a lot of perks over at Patreon. And if you go to TooFastTooForever.com, you can read each of the tiers of what mm-hmm. it includes, what it entails. So there's like a $1, 5 10 25 and then the Hernan Reyes tier of $100 a month, which, again, do, please don't do that because I don't I – don't, that's a lot of pressure and I don't want you to – don't give up $100 a month essentially. <laughs> But thank you to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us over on Patreon. Thank you all so very much. Justin wraps up his email by saying, to finish things out, the gumbo was adequate. Remember, he was making gumbo. Okay. Just adequate, though. Oh, mm-hmm. sad. Oh, he says, the car that needs a new exhaust system I'm purchasing didn't need to be bleeped out. He said it's from my 1964 Pontiac, which I had a photo of last summer. Oh. So the car that we have not okay. guessed that we're going to guess on this episode, I think. It's a new car that he got. It's a new car. But the one that he needs okay. the exhaust system for was for the last car. Okay. So thank you, Justin, for sending in. Thank you for clarifying the Frank Gore's I can't believe you star. got the baseball player. I can't believe you got it right. That's cool. I mean, I, Frank Gore's kind of a unique. It's, it wasn't like Steve the Fallen Star or something, right? Like It's not Joe Smith's Fallen Star or whatever. It's just like, oh, okay. And yeah. plus, I wonder, so Justin, I have a question for you. Did you get that Fallen Star name from that blog post or was the blog post written by you or is it just like a coincidence remember i found like from hero yeah you searched it yep or was that like his common nickname or something yeah i want to know a little bit more information on jeff rancor please thank you justin next email from west hampton the night before fast and furious what up fam what up wes just a quick one today to say fuck that reading was so good it's very (laughs) silly but i admit i got a little misty-eyed it's such a great combination of fast and furious the podcast and the christmas spirit it's also very early. He sent us at uh, 7 a.m. before 7 a.m. 
Austin time, mm. and I'm only averaging like three hours of sleep for the past three or four nights, so my emotional state might be compromised. I think I have a new Christmas Eve tradition now. What? Listen to the I guess Fast and the Furious the night that would be awesome. That's what I was hoping for, right? Like it's it's like it's a very gentle thing, and I wanted it to be like a fun thing that like I I know I will listen to it on Christmas Eve in a group and like force other people to listen to it. So because it's only four minutes long, uh, it's only four minutes long. It's not long. Shout yeah. out once again to Demi Adijuibe, who has no idea probably that we did this, but he wrote the original poem that we read the the, the we did the dramatic reading of but thank you demi for writing that for for your care and your love and your respect or whatever for the franchise i think it came out great too you really nailed it that we were talking about that we wanted to read it we threw around the idea that like we would have everybody read one get the whole family involved and then like the background jingles and the everything's just perfect i do want to give a special shout out and i hope he does not hear this because i want him to be spoiler free for lap seven but uh nico over on html over his his podcast with his husband kevo uh he is doing they're doing a series of holiday episodes this month i'm on three of them about a tv show which who boy i hated oh rap battle the competition reality gift wrapping show from Freeform. Oh, boy. Oh, Ooh, boy. I thought it was going to be about rap battles, like actual battle raps. No, and I was rap like, oh, with a W. Awesome. I had fun recording it, but I hated watching it. Anyway, for those four shows, Nico wrote a new theme song, which is wonderful. And he also oh, cool. did these, like, he does, like, these like, interstitial, because he wrote our theme song. He did our theme yes. song for the show, the I new know. one. Yeah. But he also did these, like, little interstitials. And so the, the music cue that goes into and out of the four-minute reading is Nico's, and then the Jingle Bells sample that's underneath the whole thing was something that he scoured for and found and sent to me. So shout oh, out, nice. Nico. I didn't know that he did that, but thanks for all the help, Nico. Thank you. Hopefully he doesn't hear this because I want him yeah. and Kevo to be spoiler-free because, in theory, knock wood, the Han gut punch. I want that to happen Same. at some point. So maybe lap seven, in theory. We'll try again. But, dude, uh, uh, yeah, on that note, we'll talk about this when we get with Kara, but, like, Man, I really think we found the right order for these movies. Oh, definitely, 100%. Like, I don't want to watch them the other way anymore. We were also just sort of joking about, you know, not really joking about, but thinking about doing, like, in random order. But, like, I kind of don't want to. Like, I kind of want to just do this order. But yeah. we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Wes says, you guys weren't kidding about Nate from the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. He has such a great voice. He sounds like he should be voicing cartoons or video games. I love it. Same. That's what, dude, when I heard it... And the episode that we did with him is a lot of fun. I, I just drool every time that I'm so jealous that he has such a great voice, and I don't, so. <laughs> and then Wes says, Merry Christmas, fam, Wes. Well, thank you, Wes, for writing, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Thank you, I hope Wes. everybody had a wonderful Christmas, or Hanukkah, Same. or Kwanzaa, or whatever they celebrate, or nothing, if you just want to have a relaxing day where hopefully you didn't have to work. You know, whatever yeah, whatever exactly. you did, I hope, uh, hope it was nice. Agreed. All right, we have one more email, Joe, and this is from Mr. Wells Lamont. Subject line, what if time, my dudes? What if time? Okay, so we're going to play what if. Yes. What's up, Wells? Wells says, what if Gina Carano is the voice? Hmm. I had a theory today now that I'm, I'm going to bring up. I was going to save it for the episode. We can we can re-talk about it with Kara. Okay. I don't think it's a female's voice, right? We kind of talked about this. I mean, it could be modulated. Well, it was Ryan Reynolds doing the voice. We know that. Yeah confirm that he did the voice because they didn't want to like because he was just around or available on set or whatever he Mm -hmm. did the voice but it's not like it's not gonna be his character necessarily but supposedly he was the one who voiced the voice yeah because the fake name thing everything yeah i had a thought today how much sense would this make as i'm watching furious 7 today the very first scene deckard and owen are together in the hospital room right and he says whenever we would rob a store for candy dad would always give me the belts right and you would get away with it now we haven't seen the Shaw father, right? We have Helen Mirren. We know that she's Mama Shaw. Yeah. But we've never seen Shaw's dad. Right. And I think that this 
It could be Shaw's dad. That would tie it all together. He could be the evil super super villain, right? Mm, okay. Doesn't he say that he like knows Hobbs? He does. And Hobbs and yeah, Shaw but does, too. Did, uh, yeah. So he would know him, right? Kind of like if if Deckard's with him, Owen's with him, the mom has met Hobbs. He would be like, "I know you." It's a possibility. That's what I was thinking today. What's weird to me, and maybe it's not weird, maybe he's just working his way up the rankings, and I just, on a math test in grade school, this is like an N-E-I, like, who is the voice? Like, here, here's all the details that we have. Yes. What is the answer? It's like, not enough information we don't know. But in terms of conjecture, I like that idea. What is strange to me, and this is just me playing devil's advocate, is okay. if Shaw's father is the ultimate voice, right? And say Charlize is yes. his right-hand woman, Owen Shaw is working for Charlize. Yes. Why would Owen be so low in the ranks? Because he doesn't know that it's his dad that's at the top top oh his dad's like secretly at the top because he has to be like a super villain that's like kind of like if you like ran the mob like braga doesn't want anybody to know that he's braga right could be the same thing i feel like if shaw's father is the ultimate boss shaw doesn't know and we like it's just somebody else i feel like that's it's hard to say this and not be sort of judgmental not of your idea, but of like what that would mean in the movie when the franchise is so over the top as it is. But it yeah. feels like that would almost be one coincidence too many. Yeah, I feel you. And you know what? He says he knows Hobbs, but he never says he knows Shaw. Right. And that's why we're thinking it's it. Hobbs' dad, but then it's like it would be weird to call him Hobbs instead of Luke or whatever, right? So. Exactly. Or maybe he just didn't want to say, I know you, Shaw, because then Shaw would, might have realized it was dad. I don't know. We still have theories. We got time for the new, new next movie to come out. So. I mean, thematically, yeah. it makes sense because the whole franchise, or not the whole franchise, but a lot, like one of the core through lines right is sins of the father and sort of familial mm-hmm. especially since there was that rumor that in fast furious 9 they might go back to the track where dom's dad died for the ultimate villain to be the father of the guy of the, what we thought was the villain like it kind of makes sense i kind of want it to be a little bit more in world than that and like it, it is but it's like it's that's sort of adjacent where it's like it's at the edge of like what i'd be like oh yeah that's really cool and it's sort of at the edge of also like i don't know if this really makes sense I could go either way. I'm not against it. I just I, I just don't know what to think of any of that. I still hope it's, in a weird way, Charlize. Same. Although, so I think since we saw Hobbs and Shaw the first time, I think they confirmed that she's back for nine. Is that right? They were shooting it afterwards. Or, like, during... So, I, number one, I thought that the voice sounded like Charlize, but it might have just been wish, wishful thinking. But Wistful thinking? Wistful thinking. I almost said that by accident. But number two, the reason I was so adamant that I wanted to be Charlize is because mostly just because I want her back in the franchise. And so now that she's back, yeah. I don't necessarily, quote unquote, need her to be the voice, if that makes sense. Like, yes. I wanted it to be the voice because I wanted her arc in eight to have meaning. And the fact that she's coming back feels like it's going to. I still think it kind of makes sense a little bit, or that it's the voice of like her organization, right? That she's somehow involved with Etion. But I don't I need so. the voice to be her now that we know she's coming back, because now there's going to be more payoff, in theory, hopefully. I agree. Sorry, Wells, that we just like totally derailed your question. I think that's the point of the podcast. Okay. Our second question, I think is one that we've talked about before, and I think it's specifically something that he has said before. What if Noni's Denise is the voice? He did. He did say Noni's Denise is the voice. Which would still be wonderful. We're still hung up on this. It sounded like a guy. He sounded like a man. What if, at the beginning of six... So these are now, like, what ifs, just, like, alternate reality kind of things. Okay. What okay. if, at the beginning of six, they catch Shaw on their first attempt, and the rest of the movie is all of them in court going through the process of getting their pardons? It's going to be, like, Glengarry Glen Ross or something. Is that in court? I thought that was just, like, in a sales room. Am I thinking of the wrong one? What's the one? There's one that's in court. Sorry. What if, at the very beginning of six... 
Instead of The Rock handing a folder to Dom and Dom opening it up to find a picture of Letty, he showed him a video on his phone of Letty having sex with Roman, and the first 20 minutes of the movie was a porno. <laughs> and then it's just like a revenge killing. Dom trying to dis- it's it's a It's a self-evaluative movie where Dom has to come to grips with wanting to kill someone in the family because of something they did to somebody else in the family. You know, like he has to like he has to really decide whether or not he's going to kill Roman over this. And that would explain why Dom and Tyrese are not on the same side in real life, because he can't blur. Because if you can't keep Dom and Vin separate, Dom probably can't. You know what I mean? Like, oh boy. Yeah. I'm surprised we don't have more extended sex scenes in the early ones. Kind of the room style. You know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised that like that Brian Mia situation. But I think it's just because PG-13 rating. Or just, you know, not that kind of show. Not that kind of movie. I guess. What if at the beginning of one, Brian wins the race and gets everyone's respect, but Ja Rule saves Dom and bangs his sister. But since he's not a cop, he couldn't locate Dom and the team on the last heist. (laughs) And the truck driver actually kills them all. And Too Fast is the beginning of a 10-movie series, which is Brian and Roman. No Sean or Twinkie. Brian and Rome take their talents to Tokyo to challenge DK and the Yakuza. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. I don't know how to unpack that. Like, it's just like, yeah, what if? And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that Brian just wins and, like, the movie's over, right? Like, can you imagine if we just go back or, like, yeah, Brian wins and Dom's not the guy... Or, well, in this case, Dom is the guy stealing the trucks and then they just like all they all die brian being a cop around town (laughs) again buddy cop movies we get right to buddy cop i know we've discussed this but in the first one ja rule introduces himself as edwin right away to dom i'm sure you guys mentioned that but i couldn't remember and i never once caught it before just now because we called him edwin in the minute like for the six minutes that we did that six part of the minutes right that's funny you know edwin happens to know a few things and one of the things edwin knows is it's not how you stand by your car yes how you race your car he refers to himself in the third person, that's right. And then yeah. he says, you know, that's when Dom arrives, and then Dom shows up, he says, yo, what's up, how we doing this tonight, because he's too slow to make away with the money, man. Yeah. But I don't think he ever says to Dom, hey, I'm Edwin. I think he just, I, no. think, I think we're meant to believe that he knows Edwin from the world, right? From racing, from the racing world, right. yeah. I still think it's unclear. I, I get in the sort of the Braga sense, we were just talking about in a different way. In the Braga sense, Edwin talking as Edwin in the third person makes sense for his braggadocio, but it's still not like, oh, Edwin knows, by the way, Edwin is me. It's just like, it could be talking about somebody else, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's still kind of unclear, but uh, yeah, his name is definitely said a bunch. And we talked about it in the minute, for sure. I know we did. I'm watching four, Well says, and I'm trying to hindsight this bitch, and it's funny. They have Han say things like, I heard they're doing crazy shit in Tokyo. And before 6 came out, it made mm-hmm. me think it was a joke because he was just in Tokyo. Honestly, things get so back and forth, I still get confused trying to con- connect the dots. That's why I love this podcast. I need you guys for this stuff. That's what we're here to do, for sure. Give it a watch in the order that we just said, in the order that we're doing this lap. And I think it actually brings a lot of clarity to the movies. Because if you think about like, it, would, it would make zero sense. if, th- if th- Can you imagine if they came out in the order of the story like if no they did six it's like holy shit these last these last two movies have been crazy can you believe it (laughs) and then here's let's get rid of everyone what's the next one gonna be oh tokyo they're they're going to tokyo wait who's is that that's not paul walker who's that uh, wait where's where's vin wait who who's this guy lucas black (laughs) like can you imagine if that came out but 
as well said, as you're trying to hindsight this bitch, if the first time you see Han, the first line Han says is, I hear they're doing things in Tokyo, you might know that there's a movie Tokyo Drift, but you just, you don't know his tie there. You don't know that's where he mm-hmm. dies. And so I think it's, uh, it works a lot better. Yeah. Because instead of like a exactly. winking joke, it's like, oh, like it's actually aspirational. Yeah. Why in four, Wells writes, when they fuck up the face recognition, do they blame it on Brian? If Stasiak would have just waited instead of jumping the gun, it wouldn't have gone down like it did. I never understood that. I don't know what he's talking about. I think it's at the end when they're waiting for the facts and they're like, oh no, we know who Braga is. Campos is Braga. Braga is Campos. I don't know what else could be. So yeah, that's definitely it. They like just run and then they're like, oh shit, no. And they just, yeah. I mean, well, movie things. You need, you need some drama. I think it's just that Brian is just bad at things in general and that they just, it's easy to blame him for things, right? Don't let Wes hear this, but Brian is a shitty cop. Yeah. All right, Wes, you can listen again. Kenny Powers... We're talking about Eastbound and Down. Kenny Powers is based off a real pitcher in Major League Baseball. I forget his name, but you can Google it, and it should pop right up. Some outrageous ball player popping off. Was it Wade Boggs? Isn't that who it was? No, I don't think so. Well, maybe. Hold on. I saw a name. Because didn't Wade Boggs drink all the beers on the planes? Yeah. So there's a Vice article that said the real Kenny Powers question mark, and it was about John Rocker. I didn't even know it was based on a real guy. That's actually a really cool fact. Thanks, Wells. Do you remember John Rocker? No. So John Rocker was a closer for the Braves in, like, the late 90s, I think, okay? Okay. And John Rocker was very very good but John Rocker was also an asshole and I don't remember the exact quote but he went up when he was playing it was either when they were playing the Mets or when they were playing the Yankees maybe in a World Series or something he said something to the effect of I'm gonna I'm gonna clean this up it was basically like I can't believe there's all these like R words and F words and whatever on the subways like we need to clean this city up and it was just like this like down home kind of racist redneck southern country boy like yeah. in the big city and like I can't believe there's all these different kind of people that make me uncomfortable and like he just said this thing and people were like oh you can't like even back then like when we weren't really woke which is like <laughs> oh you can't you can't say that the very very first scene in Eastbound and Down is Kenny Powers doing post game interviews saying wild shit like that so it makes I never so knew much sense that he was based on John Rocker but it makes sense that you just you know yeah. at least the inspiration of like, why is this person who's basically paid to essentially keep your mouth shut and answer questions about the game, why are you, like, bringing, like, racism and bigotry into it? I just It's exactly what he does Oof. in, like, the very first ver- first scene, first episode. It's like a montage of him doing this. So that would make perfect sense. Well, I like that. Your story Wells fits writes, perfect. Wells writes, Dom says, two years in Lompoc, I'll die before I go back. But in the next movie, he gets thrown in jail. <laughs> Little fucking liar. Yeah. Okay, bros, until next time, oh yeah, happy late birthday to Joey, and have a happy new year. Catch y'all on the flip side. Peace out, Wells. Well, thank you, Wells, for writing in. Peace out, anus piecers. Peace out, you anus piecer. I saw Wells post one of his Christmas gifts yesterday, and he got this really dope 49ers varsity jacket, and I'm really jealous of it, and I just want to tell everyone that. Oh, very cool. Did not the Niners part, but like old school Mitchell and Ness classic Niners throwback varsity jacket, like the satin ones, you know what I mean? Like the shiny ones. It was really cool. I want a Steelers version of it. It's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that awesome? So it looks like you got the Niners jacket, which is awesome. The Lakers one was cool too, but the Niners one was like top tier for me. Yeah, the Lakers one's cool. The Lakers one's a zip up. Is the is the Niners one a button down, I think? Yeah, the, yeah, bu- the buttons are really cool. It's yeah. the clippy buttons. Yeah, the old school ones. Yeah, wow, that's I awesome. Love it. That's very cool. Well, that's all the emails that we had. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, Email in, let us know whatever you want to say. Just say hi. Too fast too forever.com for the Patreon. We went through the entire list of perks over there. Each of the tiers shows what you get. If you want to leave us a review, five stars, 
say nice words over at iTunes. That would be truly appreciated. Thank you. Please. All right, Joe. Next up, we have to do On the Streets. So what are mm. we... What are we... What's the news in the Fast and Furious world? I think the big one, since is we last recorded, is that... Cartoon the, came out. The Netflix show, Spy Racers, is out, which, again, we will be covering next week. I'm excited to watch it. I haven't started it yet, because it in, in real... Pe- lifetime it came out what like last night yesterday today yeah that's right it came out day after christmas so it was probably like late last night i haven't started it yet but i'm excited to dig into it and get ready for the episode next week any other news that has really happened because we we, last week when we did the night before fast and furious we talked about the concert done in miami and the uh, trailer reveal there. Is there anything? I don't think there's been anything else. I also don't know. Yeah. Like we've said that we've been in this like sort of void. We're going to hit another lull. Yeah. Because once they stop shooting. Now that we know that we have a date, right? Like it's yes. the next month. I don't know why there would be any kind of news between now and then. And we have to wait pretty much for the trailer in February to like get the next cycle of news is what I'm thinking. Oh, they put out a, there's a new Craig Lieberman video about Slapjack Supra that you can find that we posted on, on Facebook. I love all those videos, yeah. But I think that was do. basically it. I actually wonder, so like as of right now, there's 9 and 10. Those movies both have dates, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. May this year and then it's April 2020. 2021, I'm sorry. This upcoming May and then the following April, there are going to be confirmed Fast and Furious movies. Yes. They have not made mention of Hobbs and Shaw 2, but I think it's kind of like a foregone conclusion that there would be. Like I think that, I agree. Like it's a weird place where if you don't do another one, that's almost like a sign of defeat. Like even if it didn't make as much money as you were hoping for, not doing a second one is kind of like, oh, the first one flopped? Like in a weird way, you know what I mean? And it made money. We'd look yeah. at the numbers. Like it's not like it did bad. So there's the rumored about, but I don't know if official the all female spinoff. But I'm just trying to figure out in terms of like a time frame. Would they announce those? I mean, we might not have official announcements for those until maybe 10 comes out. Like, I don't, like, it could be, like, a long time before they announce a new movie, right? Yeah, could be a long Cause time. Because it's almost the kind of thing where, like, in the sports world, like, when A-Rod opted out of his contract during the World Series, it's like, oh, you don't do, like, why are you upstaging? Like, it's almost like, with 9 coming out, why do you take, I guess you can look one of two ways. Either, like, why do you take the headlines away from the new movie, or do you use the, the extra added juice of, like, people are excited now to, like, oh, if you're excited about this, like, just wait until blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think they have to stagger it. Like, they have to let the hype for 9 come out and finish before they start doing hype for 10 or the next movies. And I also think the 10 might get moved, and I think they're going to cut another movie in between it. With the way that Hollywood so carefully games out release dates, like, I feel like grabbing weekends, like, months in advance, or, like, years in advance, I feel like you almost kind of can't. Like, it's as crazy as it sounds... You almost kind of can't. Interesting. Okay. All right. Rock the vote. We need to see if there's any news in terms of Dwayne Johnson president. Sonic the Hedgehog thinks The Rock is present in a new TV spot. So that's something. We saw that in the trailer. Didn't I post it? Not on our pages. I don't, or maybe on Twitter, but not on our Facebook page, I don't think. In the new trailer for Sonic, I forget. I was like, it was on TV in the background. And he wakes up and goes, what year is it? Is The Rock the president? And I was like, oh my God. Little does he know. Eventually, yes. But not yet, Sonic. Not, 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 not yet. yet. Uh, so yeah, so no, no other news there. He has not since declared for the 2020 election on either side. You know, the... Democratic field, wide open. Republican field, I'm sure if people are aware of the world, things have been going on over there. So it almost feels like this is like a, a ladder match. It's, it's ripe <laughs> for the taking. Like the belt is ready for the taking. <laughs> How appropriate. That's perfect. Yeah. He just needs to, he, he got the ladder spread. He just needs to climb up, man. Okay. So, Joe, the last thing I have to do before we take a break and bring in Kara is talk about the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute 28. A minute, I don't have a name for it yet, but we will talk about after the audio.
thought we had an agreement. You stay away, I stay away. Everybody stays happy. We got lost, Donnie. What do you want me to tell you? Who's we? Um, my new... So if you're just listening to this audio, if you don't, if you don't remember what this looks like, it kind of sounds like not a lot happens. Like we get the song Motorcycle to Saigon continuing and ending, and there's a little bit of dialogue, but like if you're just listening, there's not a lot going on, but it is a visual treat for the eyes. It is, and there's lots of like panning shots of like weird stuff, which I liked. Do you have any ideas of what we could call this minute? Maybe the agreement? No, statues in paradise. <laughs> There's lots of statues in this All right, one. I don't say statues in paradise. That's fine. In paradise or and paradise? In paradise. Okay. okay. Statues in paradise parking lot. So yeah, there's that song. What was that? That was that pa- paved over paradise. Paved, yeah. And, that's what I'm saying. You like that? Wait, what song is that? It's oh, Counting Crows, Big Yellow. Oh wait, yeah, that's Big Yellow right. Taxi. Duh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we seem to go. Okay, so they they, they paved paradise, put up statues, statues <laughs> in a parking lot. Cool. Perfect. <laughs> That's yeah. That's perfect. perfect. Wow, we got there eventually. That's how pretty much anything that for this podcast works. You guys just heard like a live version of Joey and I coming up with like the name for anything. I don't want to spoil what the revelation we had this morning was, but the lap seven theme, which some of the patrons know. Oh God, we I came know. up with like the best blend sort of hybrid. Joey theme. did. It was. I, I, I can't even take credit for it. Like it's just like something I was writing. It's just like oh my God. It just came just through your fingers like an act of God, like a lightning bolt. Wow. So in this minute, in the minute that we call, they pave paradise, put up statues in a parking lot. We see Brian and Dom follow Johnny Tran and his crew to a quieter location. Johnny Tran confronts Dom. The notable moments trivia is the first appearance and line for Johnny Tran. And also, very quietly, Johnny's name is mumbled by Dom. Like, he almost says, like, Johnny, like, like he's afraid John. of Johnny. Yeah, well, he knows he's in, he's in his territory. He's outnumbered. And the crew is nowhere to be His found. His territory, so like, like the P.F. Chang's parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Talk about what I what I told you is, like, the greatest revelation that we've had in a minute in a long, long time. I always remembered this when I was watching this. Like, if you, if you had me draw it, I would have never done this. On the left side of Johnny Tran's, you know, pagoda, all I can assume is, like, a grocer, right? Like, an Asian grocery yeah, store. Yeah. But it's actually, like, a garage, too, remember, because we go in there. I always imagine it being, like on its own, right? Like, I imagine it being set off on the side of the road somewhere. Turns out that the whole left side of it is like a strip mall. It's just the parking lot to the strip mall. I'm sure you guys are familiar, but, like, if you've ever seen a P.F. Chang's, like, they're never, like, inside the strip mall. They're always, like, in the parking lot of it, like, right on the edge of it. I couldn't have told you that there, this was a strip mall on the side of it. When Lance knocks the window, right, he's like, follow us. It's like, let's go to our, you know, like, a quieter location. Let's go to one of our spots. And they just pull into a parking lot. It's like, wait, what, what? Like, it feels like... It's like their their lair, their headquarters, but exactly, it's, it's not. It's just the strip mall. You can go buy a Jamba Juice like right next door to Johnny Tran's place. It's like funny in a way that shouldn't be funny, but it's very funny. Yeah, it is. It, it got me good. I was like, damn, a strip mall is gonna be kind of watched. So like, if they were having this evil like empire crime ring mm-hmm. that they were like stealing DVD players, right? Because we assume like you know Brian thinks that it might be Johnny Tran for a while, whatever, whatever. They would have to drive this giant ass truck to the strip mall in the only place that's like huge with like the back of the strip mall to unload them so it'd be like very obvious if they were doing this they could just like put a cop like right in that jamba juice that's across the street well i'm saying jamba juice but it's not and he would just like sit in one of those like the radio shack and just like peek over and like see if they were doing weird shit at night what i also what i really do love my favorite little bit of revelation about where this actually takes place is that this is now a a place that we could go to on our little tour of los angeles because it doesn't feel like, like, if they built this on a studio, like on a soundstage, you wouldn't yes. build 
that left row of shops. Like, it would just be like, no. here's, like, a statue garden, and here's the building, right? Like, here's, like, the entryway, there's Confucius, and then here's... Which is what building. I was assuming from the beginning. Like, when I, like, thought about it, this is what I thought that it would have been. It, right, it's just like, it's like you were saying, like, a P.F. Chang's or whatever, right? Like, it's just like, oh, this is just a place where it's it exists as something else let's just put another name on it so we don't get sued or whatever it exists like it might not look anything like that at all like the statues might not be there the statues might have been added after the fact we can still go there and be like ah here is the parking lot where Johnny Tran and Lance, you know, intimidated Dom blow and Brian up. and blew up those cars. It has to be like a Chinese restaurant, right? Like, or, or Chinese grocer. Because they had to have, like, the pagoda parts. It's probably, like, in Chinatown or Koreatown or something, right? Like, it's probably... Yeah. We weren't sure how many motorcycles, like, last minute, we're like, there's five. You said five, there's I said four. six. Oh, yeah, there's There are five, at yeah. least, I think there's eight here. Damn. And there are 12 people on those eight bikes. Like, there are so many doubled up. And I don't know if this yeah. is, if we just saw different angles or if this is like a continuity thing or I don't know what happened from minute to minute but when they pull in when all the bikes follow Dom and Brian into that parking lot there are you see at least eight bikes and I saw I counted and I wrote down a lot of details about at least 12 different people yes which is crazy with the yeah I'm curious what these actually entail or what they include or what they hold those what look like really bulky backpacks that the three girls are wearing yeah you can get those if you like have these motorcycles so they're specifically made for bikes for people that are riding bikes okay. they look so big overly they big. are but they like kind of fit the styling of the motorcycle too gotcha okay I think they make them like probably specific motorcycle like they're hard shell you know what I mean so yeah. it was just like in vogue. Well, what I loved about the bikes, and we can get into the actual bike details in a second, but I love the all the, like, everybody has a different helmet. Like, some just have, like, a kind of a plain, like, a dark helmet, but I made so many notes of all the different helmets and everything, and I mm-hmm. would love to see, like, I think we talked about maybe briefly last summer, when I went to the, when I went up to Toronto, and I went to the Pro Hockey Hall of Fame, and there's, like, that hallway where it's just, like, all different goalie masks through the years, and, like, there's movie yes. masks in there, like Keanu Reeves mask from Youngblood and everything is in there. Like, I want, like, a Fast and Furious Hall of Fame, and it's just, like, these motorcycle helmets, like, oh, shit, that's Johnny Tran's passenger's motorcycle helmet. I recognize that one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In regard to that... We were talking last minute as well about um, wondering if these characters are going to be named or not. Like, we don't know if Lance is named. Like, actually, like, we know that Lance has a name. I think they say it later, which like, not we'll at this make point. make a note of. I was looking to see, because we were wondering if anybody else is going to have a name, and I don't think that they do. And I was looking on IMDb, and even all these people, like, they're just basically extras. They don't even have credits. Like, I found, mm, you may chalk this up even to racism, but I was just looking for, like, Asian-looking names for parts that could fit. So, like, there's someone that's dry. Driver, biker girl, Asian female, and then two hot chicks that possibly could be these people. But again, I don't know because they don't even have pictures on IMDb. Like, I don't know if these people are the right people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, yeah. They're just kind of featured extras. But then in that regard, there's somebody in this movie who's uncredited as, quote, hottie with a body which is awesome but i don't know if this is like wikipedia like is that real or did somebody just like add that so it's not like anybody can add that like you have to have like an imdb pro account which doesn't mean that like it's super restricted but like you and i can't go on there and be like oh i know who that is i'm gonna add that like it's kind of also you might need like proof in some regard and i don't know i don't know what the process is but like it's a much tighter set of restrictions than just wikipedia where anybody can do anything so somebody went on there of some kind of stature or rank or clout and just said yes this woman played hottie with a body but the more amazing thing i think is that there is someone in this movie somewhere at some point credited as samoan guard 
Peter Navy to Tuasisopo, even all the way back in the first movie, Samwa in the movie, in the franchise. It's amazing. True. Incredible to me. And we have to look out for him, but I don't know if we'll actually see him, because who knows, but we'll try. So, Joe, you found a little bit more information about the bikes, possibly, and also some uh, some signs in here, too, that we kind of briefly touched on a little bit. Yes. Okay, so signs. Johnny Tran's uh, hideout is S-I-E-U. I think it's T-I-U, but then when you see the shot of the truck behind Dom, it says C-U-T-H-I, so I can't tell if, like, one's just blurry or if they're two different names, and, like, I obviously don't, you know, speak whatever language this is in. I'm going to put T-H-I because when you wrote that down, it's almost like that, which do you see? Do you see two faces about to kiss or an mm-hmm. hourglass? Because on yes. the sign, it does look like both. I saw T-U-I. And then he wrote down teach. I was like, what is that? How is there a confusion? I was like, oh, I see that too. Because it's just like yes. kind of vertical lines and it's hard to tell where the yeah, horizontal lines are. it's kind of blurry. It's in, the ba- it's in the background. It's not in the foreground. Yep. T&K Food Mart. We talked about it being in the strip mall or shopping plaza. Mm-hmm. We get a great shot <laughs> of the Confucius statue. Yes. It says Kung Fu Tsi. Mm-hmm. And then in parentheses, Confucius. on the sta- I like that the statue had a parentheses on it. It's like, hey, white people, this is what that means. <laughs> exactly. 551 to 479 BC, and then it also, in case you were really white and lost, it says philosopher underneath it, which is incredible to me. Love it. We officially see Johnny Tran's bike. He's he has the red one with the two headlights we were talking about in the background. Mm -hmm. It's a 97 Honda CRB 900 Fireblade. There's the blue Yamaha. I forget who's on it, but it like it becomes like the very foreground bike in the in the shot. And it's um a 1998 Yamaha YZF-R1, which is actually like a really that was like a very common type of Yamaha that everybody would have back then. Cool. So. I think that the trivia question should involve the Confucius statue somehow. Okay. The game every time is like, how complicated, how difficult do we want to make this, right? Do we want the question, could it be as easy as who is the statue Who's of? Who's statue? Or what's Confucius's name? Kung, you mean Kung Fu Zi? Yeah. That one you might know from like other things too. Is that even true though? I don't know. This is not necessarily like a... Uh, a necessity, but I almost, I almost kind of want us to be more like a about the about the Fast and Furious as opposed to just about like history in a way. You know what I mean? Like okay. But I like your question. So like, so in the parking lot where Johnny Tran and Lance bring Brian and Dom, there was a statue. Who was the statue of? Oh, okay. So we got Confucius, right? We can move that around. Buddha. Okay. Who else? Somebody like famous in L.A. Like pick like a famous Dodger. We could do uh, Sandy Koufax. Okay. Dodger's great pitcher. Wacky inflatable arm man. Oh, oh, I was going to say um, Sonny Chiba. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Sonny Chiba. Buddha, Confucius, Sandy Koufax, Sonny Chiba. Cool. I like that. Cool. And you get a process of elimination, right? Like, If you're taking this quiz, you're like, okay, it's either Buddha or Confucius, and like one or the other. And like, it's not, it's not a gimme, but it's an easier, I think, question than some of the other questions that we have recently. Cool. Good. Cool. That was minute 28. They paved paradise, put up statues in a parking lot. <laughs> Joe, let's take a quick break. Let's bring in Cara Gale O'Regan to talk about Furious 7 as we continue to work our way through the Driving School app. Episode number 63, Fast and Furious 7. Nope. Furious 7. Yep. 
This episode is brought to you by Skydive CT. They have been at the forefront of many modern training techniques and have... Wait, that wasn't that been... wasn't the sponsor at the top of the show. Yeah, Connecticut Parachutist, skydivect.com. Oh, okay, okay. I'm so, I'm so sorry. They have developed new techniques over the years. They're known as the House of Champions, where skydivers come to learn and explore the possibilities they can achieve within their sport. Thank you, skydivect.com, Connecticut Parachuters. Very, very exciting. Well, welcome back to the Driving School Lab. We just heard our intro the episode, but joining us right now to talk about Furious 7. Kara, you got what you wanted. No more movies with Paul Walker after this with Brian. Are you happy? Oh, no. I don't know. It's not... No. It's okay. all you. Listen, it's not that I want no Cara more Gallery movies. Here. Hi. It's not that I want no more movies with Paul Walker. I just don't like Brian. Actually, so That's quick fair. side note. We are about a minute into this episode, and I'm already taking a side note. You just watched a Christmas movie with Paul Walker that I had never heard of. Can you give a oh rundown of what this is, and should we cover it on this show? Um, You should absolutely cover it. It okay. defies description. Truly, how did this get made? It's like one of those like ensemble dramas, Um, mid-level, maybe indie, probably indie, must be indie from like 2004, extremely 2004. Oh, wow. That is way, I don't know if you said that year, but that was way later than I was picturing. Okay, this is fast. This is even more fascinating. Yeah. So starring Susan Sarandon, Paul Walker with a terrible New York accent. And of course he fucking plays a cop. Who else is in it? Oh, Penelope Cruz. And what's it called? Did you say the name? It's called Noel. Directed by, I forget the guy's name, but he's like a character actor that's in like, he's like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, Chaz Palminteri. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's this weird, like, not really ensemble drama, actually, because it's just like these different characters and their paths individually cross and it's Christmas Eve or something. I So it's like Crash. Sure. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like a lot of things and also nothing. You just have to see it because it's so bad and so confusing, confounding. We didn't know it existed. This would have been a great Christmas episode. Joe, yeah. do you know? So Chaz Palminteri, to put this in context for you, is, is Dito's dad on A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. Oh, yeah. The, basically the one guy who looks like he should be in The Sopranos but was not in The Sopranos. Yes, yeah. And he was in, like, a bunch of other gangster movies, though. I clicked on his IMDb profile, and his bio reads something like, he's a natural successor to the Italianate tradition of filmmaking, and was like, okay, well, that's a bold statement. than you think. Oh, this movie's on Prime. It's easy. You can watch it for free. Also, Robin Williams is in it. Cool. Jesus. It's so weird. So, Joe, maybe what we'll have to do in future Decembers is... Christmas in July. Well, oh, we could do that, but I was yeah. thinking that now that we have the uh, the very special reading that Kara helped us with, The Night Before oh. Fast and Furious, we oh, could do a Christmas so nice. episode related to the Fastiverse, and it could be Noel next year, and we can go from there. We'll see how it goes. I like that idea. That's cool. Instead of doing, like, and we could actually clip the thing back, the reading back onto the end. Exactly. Of planning all day today. Deals all day at Rasputin. Before we get into the conversation here, Kara, we have what we have not done in several movies, because we ran out of relevant questions. We have three either-or questions for oh, you yay. for this movie. Are you ready for them? I'm so ready. Number one, do you prefer... As uh, Dom and Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell, talk about in this movie, do you prefer a Corona or a Belgian ale? I don't drink alcohol. (laughs) So I will say neither. Water. 
very hydrating. Mm-hmm. Hydration's important. It is. I've been on this Pedialyte kick. Oh hell yeah! I drink Pedialyte all that. I'm I'm prone to chronic by the dehydration. My favorite is actually the ice pops. Like you can get like Ooh, those freeze pops. Yeah. I was I just got on the the Pedialyte the like the bonus the plus in the black box mm-hmm. the strawberry one. Oh, and I bought some that. drip drop that I'll report back mm-hmm. with. Stay tuned for a very exciting future extracurricular activities about that one. I can tell you that much. <laughs> about hydration. Yeah. Joe, yeah. what have you been There's up to? A... I don't know. I've been hydrating. Okay, cool. Good update. Thank you <laughs> so much. There's a long story that involves I'll tell it eventually. All right, Carol. One of the most hotly debated, fiercely split questions that we have here. Would you rather, like at the end of six, so, so think that think back two movies ago. There's a little bit of a, a split here now. Two movies ago, would you rather drive a car into a plane or... <laughs> Knowing it'll be safe, just like in this movie, would you rather fly a car out of a plane? Oh my god! Oh wow! You have to pick one. You're safe either way, but like you, ha- you're gonna like live through it. And you're gonna be terrified as you I would know, be. Like, no, you you're I safe. I have a heart but... condition. Jesus! Both of those situations would be incredibly stressful. Yes, I know. I agree. And I might have like a, f- a fainting goat situation on my hands, but um... <laughs> I mean, you could opt out again. There's no. I mean, the other people have not answered the question, but I want to uh, give you the option here. I always have wanted to go skydiving, but I truly don't think my body can handle it. So I'm going to go with driving a car onto a plane. (laughs) Onto a plane. Okay. Okay. So unlike Bodhi and Johnny Utah skydiving, which you just covered over on Whistle Thinking, you are going to be taking a car into a plane rather than out of a plane. Okay. Now this last one, open-ended question. I don't think we've really had one of these yet, but an open-ended question. Joe and I, you, the three of us are pulling a heist, okay? Mm-hmm. And Joe and I are in the back room doing what we do, and we're like, Kara, we need you to distract the group. And you're like, I got it. And you go up there, and you sing a karaoke song. Oh, what no. song are you singing? <laughs> okay, to preface this, I'm not the person that you send to distract everyone. I'm That's either fine. chameleon, I'm data person, computer Go with person. circuits, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm definitely not a Tyrese, but okay, uh, my usual... What's the first song you thought of? Like the first song? The Pina Colada song. Oh, if you like Pina yeah. Colada, that one? That is often my go-to karaoke song. That's by Rupert Holmes, is that right? Yes, that is correct. All right. We got a lot of great answers for this one. Oh, what have other people said? We got Bee Gees, More Than a Woman. We got Mariah, All I Want for Christmas is You. Those are Joe and my picks. (laughs) Brian Rodriguez would sing Donza Kadura. We have Seals, Kiss from a Rose. We have Ace of Base, I Saw the Sign, Baby Got Back, I Will Survive, Mm -hmm. Work It, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Lots of, I mean, so many good options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe also uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time. It's a classic for a reason. And like, I feel like we don't, as a culture, appreciate just how good that song is. Or Britney in general. I, I do not even get me started. Well, so I, I think fans. I've said on this podcast before, I believe, maybe not, but I just mentioned, I think I almost certainly did it. That was my, my go-to karaoke song, even though I cannot even begin to imitate Mariah. But my favorite <laughs> thing to do in bars between, this is very important, between Feb 1 and Thanksgiving, and, and, and Halloween, Halloween's a cutoff, play Mariah's All I Want for Christmas is You, because nobody's no. expecting it, and everyone loves oh. it. So if it's between February and October, I put it on. That's horrible. My <laughs> No, no, it's not horrible. It's roommate, wonderful. my freshman year of college, the day after Halloween, put on that CD, and it was on repeat Ugh. through, like, when we left for Christmas break, so it's, no thank you. But. Was she just, like, insane? Yeah. Like, oh, God. What I have also found, in it depends on how the bar reacts, but 
if they go crazy for that, you follow it up with a quick Britney, and they a place go the place erupts like a baby one more time. <laughs> yeah, they could see that's a recipe for like disaster. toxic right into toxic. And it just no, because toxic oh you can't sing along to. It has to be yes, like it's it's the it's oh the you ba- can definitely sing along to toxic. I think the baby one more time has a more it's a more iconic yes. to use Brian's it is vocabulary. It, is. it depends on if they were singing to the All I Want for Christmas Is You or just hype. I would go toxic or or hit me baby one more time. There was like if a, they wanted to sing along. There was a really interesting version of toxic in either the new Black Christmas or Bombshell, and because both movies are about the same thing, I can't remember. Oh boy, which one it was? But I think it was Black Christmas. Yeah, I don't think it was Bombshell because I saw that more recently. I don't remember being in there, but uh, it also I think it would fit probably more. I mean, it would mm-hmm. fit in both. I think it would fit more closely in yeah. Black Christmas. I need to hear this Toxic remix. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it really is. Like, <laughs> it's one of the best so songs good. of all time, perhaps. All right, well, we are tying... It's time now to talk about Furious 7, and let's kick things off with not the last time we can play it, but the last time that the namesake is going to be in the movie. Let's oh. talk about the, the the game show that's sweeping the nation, That's So Brian. That's So Brian. Kara, if you have to pick, is there a moment here... I'm in a, I have a real hot take on who the most Brian character is in this moment in this movie, but and I don't want to spill. Brian. I don't want to show my hand. You think it's Brian? No, I actually wasn't even thinking about this when I was watching this one. Brian wasn't that Brian in this one. I think the most Brian character in this movie is Dom. Oh, hot take! Wow, interesting. Why? So a few different things. We open up right, and he's driving Letty to race wars. Yeah, we talked about specifically in Fast and Furious Six about how Kara had a new perspective on that scene and about him being like very physical with her and like it was kind of sweet, but also kind of like ooh, like this is not creepy. Like, she doesn't yeah. remember him. And I think here when he's saying, you know, they say an open road helps you think about where you're going, where you, or where you've been, where you're going, blah blah blah. And he's like, this doesn't bring like you don't remember any of this. And she says like that. It's not fair. You know that I don't. And I feel like yeah. he's trying, but it's still like, dude, like give her time. Like I feel yeah. like he's oblivious to her yeah. recovery period. Sensitivities. Yeah. And I think that's a very Brian, just like sort of You're not right. aware of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Just it only matters how he feels mm-hmm. in this, which is he wants her to remember. I also think that's followed up very quickly with when they get to the house, when they get to 1327 and, you know, Brian and Mia are loading Jack into the minivan. And then there's just like a box on the porch for who knows how long. And Mia's like, hey, Dom, you got a box out here. And I feel like all of them in that moment are very Brian. Like, I don't know about you, but like, if I get a box here, like, I'm not, I'm not just like, oh, yeah, I'll open that when I open that. It's like, let me see what this is and open it right away. In the grand scheme of things, it's good that they didn't because it's a bomb. But at the same time... How long has that box been there? It's addressed to Dom. Dom, why are you not opening it? Like, I feel like that's just a very, what is happening in this moment? Yeah, and that's like a porch you could definitely steal stuff off of, too. You know what I mean? And why didn't you get it sent to Toretto's cafe where you should be? Because no one remembers that. Like, that's not where he works anymore. Okay. Yeah, do they even have that cafe anymore? I would imagine so, but I also feel like they just have hired help now. But I mean, they're yeah. all multi-multi-multi-millionaires after Brazil, right? Like, why would yeah, they, so why would why they work would a day job? Yeah, why would that place still exist? Yeah. I don't know. I imagined it would, because it's like, a, it's a down-home kind of family thing. No, I can imagine but they were it. all fugitives for several years. <laughs> yeah. They were it's not probably even in the country. Up. They're not running the business remotely. And I also know. think you need to remember that when Fast and Furious number four kind of rebooted the series, we, for a lot of ways, just whatever character building moments we had from the first two movies aren't really important anymore. So the fact that they all met, they're like, they met, they joke about it in here. The best thing I ever did was stopping in that cafe and, you know, getting a sandwich. Like They mention it here, but I feel mm-hmm. like 
in the grand scheme of things, it's not about like it, like I don't think it's tied. They don't belong to that place anymore. Like it's now thirteen twenty seven until you know it explodes here. True. And then I have one other that's O'Brien moment in this movie, and it is a Brian moment, and I think it's again a, a relationship moment. But it's when he calls Mia, and it's just like oh, things God, are about to go mine. down. You know, if you don't hear from me in twenty four hours, take Jack and get out of here. And she's like, what? Did, uh, what? Like, A, what? But also, B, she's like, no, no, you know, I'm pregnant. But I just feel like that's a very, like, a firm foot in the ground, like, just making decisions. It just feels, that's an interesting uh, response here. He has, like, no real concern of how this plays out for her. Like, if in 24 hours you're a single mom, (laughs) deal with it. And she's like, bro, like, I'm pregnant again. He's like, damn, double single mom. And just, like, (laughs) totally doesn't care at all. Like, he's, like, not phased by this. Yeah. That was my moment, too. I was going to say that. I know that this might play into the, like... CGIing and retrofitting the movie, but he's definitely not paying attention to anything she says in that conversation. Like, his responses are just to whatever the fuck he's thinking about. And she's like, Brian, like, we need to talk about this. And he's like, that tuna sandwich. And she's like, yeah, that was a thing. And he's like, if I'm not back. And like, he just like totally drives the conversation, even though she's trying to like talk to him there. Well, I read that they had like taken some scenes that weren't used in like previous movies and just like his, what he's doing, like taking that from previous movies and cutting it into here to Mm -hmm. make up for it or like rotoscoping over it or using that dialogue or like whatever. Uh, So that probably has something to do with that, but also the fact that he just is in his own <laughs> dimension. I was yeah. reading over my notes and I, I hadn't had a that so Brian moment while I was watching it, but now I see it now that I'm reading okay. my notes. <laughs> uh, the first one being when he is like dropping off his son at school. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's a good By one. By the way, there's no other time this would ever come up in this episode, but there's that like beautiful woman who like helps him get out of the van. She mm-hmm. is credited as hot teacher. <laughs> good for her. But like at first, it's just like a like extreme close up of his eyes, and it's like, and his face, and it's like, oh, Brian seems troubled, and then like he pulls up at drop off, and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm new to this, just basic parenting, yeah, that he's uh, bad at. Oh, he gets so mad about that supercar being inside. <laughs> he's so mad. Like I don't think I've seen him be that mad about anything else like genuinely truly angry about the fact that like this you know supercar that's been engineered to drive extremely fast or whatever is like just being kept inside yeah i mean dom says there's nothing sadder than locking a beast in a cage and brian says no i really want to punch him in the face it's like oh (laughs) okay that's your in the cage i can't be locked in a cage bro Mm -hmm. oh yeah from point break that's your point break moment in this movie no there's so many of them i wrote down a few during one of the action sequences when brian is like fighting that guy inside a moving bus there's like a cage inside that he like pulls up and locks behind him the bad guy patrick swayze does that in point break yeah there's so much point break throughout all of these movies when kara was watching that she sent us a message and she was like oh my god there's so much point break in this one and it's like but there's so much point break in, in all of them. them. It's just that I Always. just watched it before I saw this one. So I was like, oh, wow. Even um, when Brian is skydiving out of the... Skydiving in a car. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Skycarring. Um, skydiving. He, he screams, oh, shit, just like Keanu does the first time he goes skydiving. Oh, yeah. Good point. I was yeah. actually thinking because of your episode, because of the... When you, you were talking about... Keanu just having the one line 
the episode of Wistful Thinking, I mean, when you're, like, saying Kiana is, like, the one line, she's like, shit, shit, like, just drives, he's driving. There's the one scene in here where Mosey Chikanda, who is the, you know, Shaw's kind of henchman, but also kind of partner, but kind of whatever, superior at some point, I don't know, whatever. But at one point, he just goes, <laughs> which I was just thinking about the script, just like, what? Shit! And, like, that's this whole line, like, that's kind of the whole scene. I was just like, that's a very <laughs> funny, like, how do you psych yourself up for, like, this, what? Shit! And then that's it. Like, it's just the acting, I guess. Mm. Yeah, can you do it again? Just one, just bring it back. I was looking for a more of, like, an oh, what? shit. Like, shit! <laughs> yeah. So, Carol, what's interesting about this movie, I think, and I don't know if I want to, if we should go into this now, because I think I would be fascinated no, to No, we should save it for the next one. Kate's theories. What I will say, what I will leave it at, Fury 7 is in many ways, I think, a movie in transition. Mm-hmm. And last lap when we talked to Kate Hudson, who's been on Brian's podcast, and, you know, he introduced her to us, and she's been on here, and it was mm-hmm. wonderful. She kind of really kind of broke our brain about this movie, so I'm fascinated, and I think Joe is right. Like, I think we could do a lot of the conversation now, but I think we should have a more freewheeling conversation next time for Fate, because it's kind of, it's like 80% this movie, 20% Fate, kind of. Yes. Keep in mind, sort of, especially around Brian and around Paul dying, and I think mm-hmm. that the way that that kind of irrevocably the rest of the shifted story and changed, out. yeah. The kind of kind everything of that they were building toward, I think. But let's not stray too far ahead, or what could have been, or look ahead to Fate yet, but let's talk about Furious 7. Did you like this movie? Do you have, and I, I don't want to get the official rankings yet, but do you have updated rankings for your like, where does this fall in your rankings? Yeah, I really liked it when I watched it. I don't think I could tell you what it's about or what happens in it. Okay, now. that's fair. Like, retrospectively, yeah. a couple days later, I have no idea what actually happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm finding challenging about ranking these movies is that, like, my recency bias just puts whatever the last thing I watched at the top of the list. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I love this one. This is my favorite one. Right. So right now, Furious 7 is at the top. Also, wow. I feel like before I can actually rank them, I have to go back and watch them all again. <laughs> like, oh. You know, cool. so that's a task. Dedication. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, I'm not fucking around here. I'm taking yeah, this very seriously. I, it's hard to rank them, I agree. It, and it takes, like, some time and some thought, some reviewing... To the listener, we just decided this before we started recording, but Kara is going to join us for our relapse recap for a segment in there, where it's kind of like a, a breakdown, a, a reflection, a look back, because Joe and I look back at the lap that was, she'll join us for her, you know, her perspectives on this, and I think, based on the way the schedule is going to shake out, Kara, and when we have to record Fate, because of a work trip and stuff like that, you're probably going to have about three weeks to rewatch the nine movies. Oh, I can do that. I can so, definitely handle that. You've got the time, nothing but time. And now that you got the outline, I think the first pass is like, like the first cut is the deepest, right? And you have to, <laughs> now that you have the outline, these are really great like Saturday movies that you could just like yeah. put on. You'll be like, you look up at the screen, you're like, oh yeah, that happened. And then you like look down, you're like, I forgot that was in this one. And then, well, I've already rewatched the fourth one. Mm-hmm. because damn i had to see it because of the way that we watched them out of order i had to see how the fourth one plays a- directly right. after the third one jarring right yeah i i find the fourth one jarring in general but i liked it more the second time do you think and this might be an impossible question to answer if you had never seen any of them and you watched four first would you still find it jarring because i think it kind of works no. as like an introduction right yeah, for sure. It's just, I mean, especially after those first three movies, which are so, I mean, we talked about the first one being very frivolous and pre-9-11, yep. mm-hmm. but even yeah. the second two in that kind of like early trilogy mm-hmm. are still very poppy and mm-hmm. unserious, I guess. And okay. then yeah, the, 
is a huge tonal change. Yeah, I mean, the fourth is is truly like gritty reboot. I mean, the fourth one's at the bottom of my list as it stands. Really? Currently. Okay. Interesting. And like I said, recency bias puts seven at number one, and then six at number two. I think six and five will wind up being at the top, like it is, like you said, for most people. Tokyo Drift is right now number four, but will probably maybe be number three. Mm-hmm. There's a weird feeling about it. It depends on like how you're, th- if you're like, which ones are like the most fun? It's really high. And you're like, which ones are the best? You're like, well, yeah. I mean, I feel uh... like I need different lists with different criteria. Like, what am I talking about? Am I ranking them That's by fun? That's what I've been doing. If, if I'm ranking them by fun, obviously the first one and the third one are at the top of the list. You know, if I yeah. if I'm ranking them for stylistic reasons, I think five and six are probably my favorite. If I'm ranking it by like character wise, you know, like Los Bandoleros and mm. Yeah, it's it's hard. When you just make a list and it's like, this is my rankings of them and you have to encompass all of this, it's a very difficult task. Yeah. And it takes me like a very long time to sit there and like I scratch out and adjust and I have like general places where like I know like this is probably the top half and this is probably the bottom half. But you start to like get between, you know, three and six and it's like just a big blob and you're like, Oh, I don't know how to split these up. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. You'll get there. So if I do wind up rewatching these I'll make several lists as I'm watching them. Okay. And one mm. of them, perhaps the most important, will be the costumes. Ooh, yes. Oh, I like that. Which list. let's talk about is there anything any costumes of note in this movie? Um, I don't know. I don't think any of them. They're formal wear, which is kind of a new thing. Oh, yes, of course. That is the thing that stood out to me. Love to love that Letty dress. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Letty looks great in that red dress, yeah, right? She does. Like that's top tier. I like Roman's white suit, too. I'm a big fan of it. Because he's a clown. It is like a clowny kind of suit. It's a little bit more fun. This is... I don't remember. I think I mentioned this on air very briefly, but uh, Kara, have you seen the movie The House of the Devil? Maybe. Give me some more context. It's from like 10 years ago, but it looks like it's from the 80s. It stars Jocelyn Donahue as a college student who's looking to make a quick buck by doing this babysitting gig, and she gets to a house and there's no baby and things feel weird, but she stays anyway. No. I really love Jocelyn Donahue. I think she's a great actress. I think she's adorable. I met her. I told a story about how I met her at South mm-hmm. by, and she was great. I was looking on IMDb about her because she was also in the new Doctor Sleep movie, and I was looking at her IMDb, and I was like, she's in Furious 7 as advisor. I was like, wait, I don't know. And she's so low on the letterbox ranking that she's below people who are uncredited. Like, she's got a name. She's got a character name, quote-unquote, advisor, but she's, like, third from the bottom in a list of, like, 40 names. Like, I don't know where she is. I watched this movie more intently than I have been watching other Fast and Furious movies recently, still didn't see her. And I don't know where she is. I'm going to keep watching. I tweeted at her. She did not respond. But I'm going to keep watching and find out where she is. But the reason I bring this up now is because I scrolled through the deleted scenes. Like, I didn't watch the deleted scenes, but I fast-forwarded through them to see if she was in any of them. Didn't see her. But I saw a scene where I think it looked like, and I was going through pretty quickly, looks like Dom and Ramsey, and he there was like a a glamour dress there too so there's even more fashion in deleted scenes so mm. just putting that out there oh, that there's interesting because the weird thing this kind of like it kind of broke my brain a little bit in a good way joe is that like for whatever reason i'm thinking deleted scenes are like not finished but like no they're finished like they're edited they're like they look beautiful they're adding to the story they just were cut for time or for whatever reason right so time and because they had to readjust the movie for brian right so there's so... probably a lot of scenes that they had driving the story a different direction 
and they had to come back and reshoot. There's only four of them here, and it's like six or seven minutes. Like, there's not a ton, and they're mostly around the But night. I mean, like, probably even more than oh, that. Oh, well, sure. I mean, yeah, getting. like, what we don't know about that. Sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But in, ter- in terms of, like, what we're going to cover one day, and we will, we have a plan for this. We don't want to, you know, tip the hat too much. But in terms of the actual deleted scenes, I mean, there's featurettes and stuff like that, which I think that's more going to be interesting about this one because it's like how do you change your franchise when your your lead actor dies the in terms of the deleted scenes like what could have almost been in the movie there's like four scenes in like six or seven minutes so we'll get to that when we get to that but carol what else about this movie aside from you know the the fashion the formal wear what did you love about this movie what makes this for now at least your favorite fast and furious movie uh like i said i don't know because i don't remember (laughs) anything about it this one's a giant blur it moves really fast so fast and like just looking through my notes i'm like oh yeah that happened um i mean i fucking love the skydiving cars jesus christ what yeah with gps on them so that you just still drop in and it guides it by its thing itself i mean that whole extended action sequence from the skydiving cars to at one point somebody goes bowling with cars which was truly so ludicrous i cried like i was having so much fun i was shedding tears what do you mean bowling with cars like knocking over all the things when it jumps between the buildings oh no but that does also happen later in the movie no they have that like weird hybrid car the Dom's like, this time it's not just about being fast, which I wrote down, it is also about being furious as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they like make that weird monster truck kind of thing. And then when they're yeah. on that mountain road, which I have questions, they are like taking out this convoy and they like basically use that monster truck as a bowling ball to like get a bunch of cars out of the way. And somebody ah, even says, okay. strike, Oh, okay. as they okay. pull through. But yeah, no, I just found that so absurd and fun. The action in this is so fun and so ridiculous. It is. It just keeps building, right? Like, one of the things, you sent us a message, you were, like, talking about that there was skydiving in it. And we're like, but that's not even, like, a big part of it because they keep getting wackier Yeah, that was, like, time. so early in the movie. <laughs> Like, that's not even, like, top tier of the action craziness. But this, again, is, like, another kind of, like, spiritual connection with Point Break that, like, Point Break kind of keeps upping the ante. And in this, it's, like, we're starting with the fucking skydiving (laughs) and we're going from there, which I really appreciated. I had a hard time, though, with... And this is not so much a problem with this movie specifically so much as it is action movies in the 2010s like the way that they are shot and edited and I think even like the frame rates are weird and they just my brain is broken and has has a hard time kind of like processing motion that fast they feel smooth smooth yeah but like just too like much. they feel smoothed out like yeah they're kind of like um soap opera yeah kind of but it's really more about like uh just jostling my brain in an uncomfortable oh, way so okay just like really quick cuts and like handheld camera and like weird motion smoothing and this one did give me a migraine but i'm not sure if it was from that or because i cried a lot what parts did you cry at well like i said i cried during that one action sequence because i was having so much fun <laughs> it was an excited it was just excited full excitement. I love it. yeah and then i definitely you know cried towards the end beach like the beach scenes i don't remember specifically did you cry when letty tells the unconscious dom about the time they got married yes of course yes 
you figured as much. That's a yeah, that's a good one. We've talked about before about how like there's that very very emotional moment where like Letty is just like if you die I die like and I'm not ready to die Don you have to come back like there's that really heavy scene and then there's just like Hobbs and Shaw going to prison what 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 just like okay and then there's like the Paul like saying goodbye to like an actor who's who just who really died very deeply emotional scene hardcore comedy bro action drama there and then another crying scene like it's this weird roller coaster of emotions where i guess yeah. if, if it was all together at the end like you could either be crying for like 25 straight minutes or you could have like a breather Which in the middle probably but it was a... now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> i demand a letty movie i think everyone does i do have another request like we want the gal and the giselle yeah. Han movies i also want like a buddy cop movie with hobbs and elena like they have like a chemistry sure. here in a very brief scene in the beginning where i'm just like oh i want them like a mismatched duo like odd couple police style like i want that yeah her and her helmet hair yes <laughs> it's very hard in this it's so like short and like just that there's a lot of gel in there. Do you think that was what cushioned the fall when she fell out the window? Uh, yes. It's cushioned the fall on, on Hobbs's chest. Yes. Like so she didn't bounce off his rock hard <laughs> chest. Between a rock a literal rock and a rock place. <laughs> God. <laughs> I like that we got to see more of Letty's grappling with what she's been through in this movie. But like I really yeah. need a whole movie where you know, we see what she was doing for that couple of years before oh, they rediscovered her. Well, I want like a whole journey, you know, I want to like see her grappling with her memory loss and trauma mm. and reintegration into this supposed family that she knows nothing about and like really see it from her side and like see how hard that must have been so they've already said this vin has come out that he like pitched universal a all girls fast and the furious oh let me guess they weren't into it no it seems like it's happening oh really i can only guess god that could be so good or so bad this has got to be a letty driven thing right like she has to be the dom of the girls crew of course she's mrs alpha as they state in this movie. I think that you're that you're longing for like an in between uh, Letty could know. definitely happen in that. It like could gonna... happen. Will it happen? Only time will tell. I don't know. Because first of all, I don't want a girls Fast and the Furious. I want a Fast and the Furious movie about some of the women in this franchise. That's what they're doing. I called it. That was my fault. Yeah. I no. I, no. I know. I know what you mean. Furious. But like. Yeah. It could be so easy for them to make this into a girls fast and the furious movie you know what i mean i i want a fast and the furious movie where the actual main characters are women and we actually get more than just them as set pieces props as cheerleaders like i want them to be the main character and i want more than one you know what i mean i don't just want a girls fast and the furious do you want like an oceans eight or is oceans eight not what you want i was so disappointed by oceans eight I hadn't seen the other Oceans movies, so I wasn't really, like, expecting anything in particular. I just was disappointed by it. I mean, it's like, I love, you know, I love a movie about a bunch of competent women doing their jobs, but, like, I need more than than that. It just felt really soulless to me. By the way, it was directed by a man. I'm just saying. I don't know who would direct. I mean, that's neither here nor there. Maybe you give, uh, maybe you let Michelle Rodriguez direct. Catherine Bigelow. Give her the girls' Fast and Furious Just give her any Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be the girls' one. The Oceans movies all 
sort of to an extent like things are always going to work out like which kind of feel like entourage i think is like the greatest example and greatest in terms of like most extreme not greatest in terms of best but mm-hmm. like entourage like whatever challenges and the same thing with silicon valley like silicon valley is just like nerd entourage but on both those shows things are going to just work out to a certain extent the fast and furious movies and and the oceans movies are the same thing or just like oh like they're going to get in trouble but like things are going to just they're going to be fine like our our, our team did it mm-hmm. and i feel like oceans eight will they though brian died like but that's this... not the movie's fault brian o'connor doesn't die he, he yeah, he's he's living a best he's, li- he's living his best life down in somewhere with no extradition <laughs> yeah he's he's not dead in the movies but i think what like oceans eight kind of suffered from was that like there was never really stakes oh, uh, an all-female fast and furious would need to have like the same thing I kind of want with the the main franchise. Like, I I think I need characters to die, or at least like a yeah, real course. fear that they could die, because yeah. no one dies anymore in these movies. Wait, so Brian? Brian's not dead. No, Brian and Mia and Jack are dead, and they're in her pregnant yeah. belly for the second baby. They're just what? living on an island or a beach somewhere. What? Oh god! It gets really problematic. Next movie, just wait. <laughs> Okay. And problematic in terms of, like, confusing. It's not really spoiler, but there's, like, a scene in the next movie. They're like, we're going to need Brian in on this one. They're like, no, don't call him. And then that's <laughs> yeah, we that's told the them we would leave him to... alone. So this explains why I don't remember Brian dying. And I was going to, like, go back and rewatch it to be like, maybe I missed it. The scene where Letty brings Dom back from the dead, then Hobbs locks Shaw up in that maximum security prison, and uh-huh. then they go to the beach, and everybody else is, like, lounging on the Brian's beach. Brian's there. And Jack and Mia and Brian are in the water, like, playing with the water or whatever, and they're all talking to them and just, like, can't you shut up and, like, just admire something beautiful? Dom drives away. Brian comes up next to him. He says, you thought you could leave without saying goodbye. I'm getting chills as I'm saying this. They Same. play See You Again. They go their separate ways. They show the Brian montage, says, For Paul movie ends. Yeah, I just thought like he drove off and got in a car accident. No, no, no. He's alive. He's alive. No, he's alive. He's because wow. they want his family wow, wants wow, wow. the character okay. to come back. And that's a big point of contention. His family as in like Paul His real life the family. Walker's family. real life family. Okay. Wants the Brian O'Connor character to come back and they want what the way that they they sort of CGI'd. They took stuff from previous movies they had his brothers oh, come in here to do voice and body work yeah. and they put his face well, over does. it his family wants the, the character come back well money i know but, i know yeah. but no the character is still alive i think like mia i think is coming back for nine but brian she is. is tbd because we kind of don't want him to because it's like a perfect send-off but also narratively if he was still alive, you know. Yeah, that's not really a perfect send-off narratively if there's... In this movie, this movie, like, bookends it really well, right? Like, he drives off into the sunset, everybody says goodbye on the beach. But that's completely antithetical to the entire spirit of all of these movies, which is the family thing. But is it, though? Because they're always there for one more job, and he finally got out. Like, he, he got what he wanted, kind of. Yeah, but... What? He has his own family now. He has to take care of his family. But that's not how family works! Like, generally speaking, extended families continue to be connected unless you choose, for a very specific reason, to not. Doing criminal activities and having small children doesn't really fit together. Yeah. Questionable criminal activity, Like, large-scale terrorist Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get mad at Brian every time he, like goes out on like that one last job because i'm like you're a father now you can't be doing this shit exactly see yeah but that doesn't knows that that doesn't preclude them from spending time together when they're not engaging in terrorist activities which is what i think will happen that i would be kind of okay with like i like brian being gone but if they like 
come back and they're like having like Thanksgiving together. Yeah. When are we going to get a Fast and the Furious Christmas movie? I wish. Every movie is a Christmas movie if you try hard enough. That's true. The true spirit of a Christmas movie is that it's an emotional speedball, which I feel like all of these movies are. So you're totally right. I mean, maybe the Christmas Fast and Furious is Noel and we just, you know, haven't appreciated it yet. (laughs) Kara, what did you think of a high schooler with a a receding hairline, Lucas Black, returning for that one scene in this movie? I wasn't sure if that was like new footage or... So there's a scene from Tokyo Drift (laughs) and then there's the new footage where he looks... Because this this took place 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, He looks 40 (laughs) years old because he's like 40 years old. I mean, whatever. There were a lot of things that I was very unclear about. With him or <laughs> okay, in the movie in let's general? Help. The movie in general, I just wrote down a series of questions right after that right. Mad Max on the mountain scene. Yep. Unclear how these people are connected. Who is this girl again? Where are they again? And then at some point I was wondering, so there's two bad guys? Yes. What is their relation to each other? Are they connected? Are they working together? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. (laughs) The important thing to know, and this makes Joe and me a little sad, is that this also acts as a pivot toward a future where computers are the enemy. Okay. In this movie, Ramsey, played by Natalie Emanuel, who is also in Game of Thrones. She's Daenerys' handmaiden. She is the hacker that they rescue. Right. The gorgeous one. She invents something called God's Eye. Mm Mm-hmm. And God's Eye is essentially what they invented in the Dark Knight that Lucius makes for Batman, where it can sort of, it uses every smartphone camera, every security camera, whatever, all audio signals, all video signals, mm-hmm. and you can find anyone in the world, anywhere you are at any point. Standard science fiction fair, not so fiction anymore. Correct. True. Mosey Jaconda, who is the Digimon Hansu, who is the guy who gets blown up in the helicopter at the end, mm-hmm. kidnaps her to presumably get that technology but she has secured it because she invented it right yeah but she has secured it in that multi-million dollar car in abu dhabi right they're battling him because that's that's the main through line like basically the plot of this movie is that they're trying to rescue her so that like this all this omnipotent technology does not fall in the hands of like international terrorists Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. at the same time Jason Statham is on a one-man wrecking crew revenge trying to kill Dom and everyone he loves because Dom just put his brother in a hospital. Okay, so he has kind of nothing to do with the God's Eye situation. Correct. Except that he is an anomaly in that he's able to evade the God's Eye, generally speaking, yet they do still somehow manage to use it to locate right him. so because he yeah. is like this like super ultra uber trained government assassin that like was, right also like, was basically what's born the deal bred. with that like what he's a super soldier what he's like he's like him? a navy seal essentially okay. but it seems like he was like part of some sort of like experimental yes. and they tried to shut him down they sent 20 agents or whatever and he killed all of them like he's just too good to be stopped like i think it's supposed to put the fear of god into you like this guy like he's finally someone who's going to match dom even though in reality Dom is just a mechanic. Like, he's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he, this is the guy that is going to pose a threat to our hero, who is, He's a mechanic who had a convenience store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a mechanic who sells sandwiches. But also, he's super good at driving cars. Also that. But there's also the yeah. automancy theory. Anyway, so the reason that Jason Statham Wait, and Mosey Jaconda, that Deckard and Mosey... Last team... past that. You just dropped automancer theory and oh, then just I thought continued... we talked about that. I don't think so. Oh, it's a theory that one of our fans wrote in Wes that's like an adaptation from like a Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. 
type thing. And the uh-huh. theory is that every time anyone in the Fast and the Furious is near something, they become better at that thing. So the more that they're driving, the better drivers they become. The more that they have guns, they become snipers. Which explains the escalation of all of this. Exactly. That's what he says. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like, it's something that you use, like, you know, as you have an item that you're close to, you become better at, with this item, at this item, at this task. Every time Tej is <sighs> near a computer, I he's a better somehow hacker. Harness that power in real life. <laughs> yeah, so Same. basically by touching cars or being near cars, they are leveling up. And by fighting, you become a better fighter. And mainly it's like, if you touch a car, yeah. you're going to be better at I driving. I think, yeah, that's the thing that the cars are giving them powers to become all around super soldiers in whatever way. Basically by the fact, and it's also, it's also just kind of action movie logic, by the fact that there are now at this point, seven of these movies, and Dom has been in six of them, or mm. five of them, I mean. He's acquired a lot of skills. Yes, he's been around exactly. long enough that like the stakes have to keep getting raised because you can't just have a movie where it's nothing, right? Like, it's just, right. he has to keep fighting bigger and bigger bad guys, so Jason Statham now, who is, like, the ultimate, like, killer, Dexter's a serial killer who kills serial killers, like, this guy is, like, the government, you know, the hitman who kills hitmen, right? Like, he's just, like, mm. the ultimate takedown guy. Which is why they brought in Hobbs last time, because Hobbs needed to find Dom... Because he was the only one that could find him. And then now you have the only person that could kill both of them or either of them has to be a guy that's like the ultimate assassin, right? We just keep raising the stakes character-wise as well as stuff-wise. The reason that Deckard and Mosey Jaconda team up is because they both hate Dom. They're not really on the same team to the point where like at the end when Mosey Jaconda and that guy are in the air in the helicopter, they have a clean shot at Dom and and the guy says, Deckard's in the way. Mosey Jaconda says, well, you know, he served his purpose, just take him out or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he, they, they mean nothing to each other other than they both hate Dom, and they can the both kind of, of take Dom out or whatever. Yes. The important thing to know about this movie, God's Eye, that technology that, like, sees, that's all-seeing, all-being, whatever, that Ramsey created, is, like, kind of the most important thing in the world now, like, both in mm-hmm. this movie and in future movies. Like, it just, okay. that is what kind of everything sort of stems from. Which is sure. both frustrating, because it's not about cars at all, but also mm-hmm. cool in that, like, there's a continuing thread line and sort of threat between movies. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, to me, had, like, a very distinct flavor of, like, Doctor Who. Okay. I've never seen Doctor Who. Oh, so. it's great. Everybody says it. They love it. I guess for people who don't know, it was a BBC show that started in, like, the 70s about this alien. He's a Time Lord, but he's the last of them. His home planet was destroyed. But he has this time machine called the TARDIS, and that's the the blue police box that he travels Mm -hmm. he's able to transcend both space and time so he can travel through time and also through different dimensions and to different planets and all sorts of stuff uh it was on the air for like 20 years and the doctor gets not reincarnated what's the word regenerated once the actor is like done playing the doctor they just cast somebody else as an like the doctor yeah, and it's the same character. I knew this part. And then it was the series was rebooted in like two thousand four. Every season or every couple seasons, the doctor winds up having a different companion at who like travels and goes on adventures and like it's a very like kind of monster of the week kind of show or like adventure okay. of the week. But then also there are these like longer story arcs. So to me this movie the girl that's in this one, the hacker... Ramsey. Yeah, she felt very much like a companion. Like, these movies are starting to kind of take on that kind of flavor of, like, a big bad of the week, in this case, of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's always been this kind of science fiction element to these movies of, like, the tech that they use, which 
is mostly has mostly been imaginary and i think in this one it like really kind of levels up into like real science fiction territory and i enjoyed that about it and i could see how other people would dislike that about it i think everybody's kind of along for the ride to be honest yeah like if you're a fan and you and you sat through six of them and seven they're like we have this big brother technology you're like eh, fuck it i'll do it anyways yeah. but i could also see how people would be like no they've jumped the shark and it's not even it's not even the big brother technology thing because like that's not like i said not so fiction anymore like yes. we're inching ever closer to that and it already exists in so many ways and we've all just so willingly opted into the surveillance state by using these smartphones and populating our <laughs> homes with Amazon Alexas, you know, like the, it's mm-hmm. happening. It's it's happening. The data is being collected. We are being surveilled whether or not it's being used for this specific application. You know, we'll see. It's not the big brother thing that is so science fiction-y to me about this one. It's it, there's something else to it that it just it feels a little bit different and obviously this one is a new director so like it just has a kind of different perspective vibe yeah the whole vibe yeah yeah this franchise has always been in one way or another very very grounded and i think mm-hmm. it started with a very kind of realistic look at like street racing car culture and then i think it became a little bit over the top but still tethered to physics and i think yeah. now it's grounded in a reality where like these are like you were saying it's not like really science fiction anymore it's something new and I feel like it's grounded in a different way. And I think right. people that say it jumped the shark, like you could look at it and be like, this is not about cars anymore. But I think that this franchise, as insane as it is, has always managed to sort of remain grounded and firm and rooted in reality in one way mm-hmm. or another. And it's a totally different franchise than where it started. But at the same time, it's kind of not like it's a weird evolution. I think it's a fascinating evolution. If it was just about cars, I don't know that we would have 10 of them. Cars cannot sustain a franchise. You bite your tongue. <laughs> the franchise has always been not just about cars, but about fun family. tech, also family, <laughs> but like vehicles of all sorts. Buses, tanks, helicopters, helicopters, planes, planes. boats. I'm sorry, did you say they have a tank? <laughs> There's more uh, vehicles coming, I can tell you that. That's so fun. Don't you worry. If you can name it, they'll add it. Cara, do you have any other... Uh, Questions about this movie, thoughts about this movie. Um, I've got some ideas that I want to share. I'm sure Joe does too. We've got a couple games to play. Anything else about this? Any other questions you have? Because I, th- I th- like as, as sort of dumb as it sounds, like you kind of really need to kind of understand what's going on here. And it is like a complicated plot. So much of the future franchise is based upon like what's pivoting here. Uh, well, I'll just uh, read through some of my notes sure. here. Dom, you can't destroy this with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Yes, you can, though. That's his whole thing. Letty needs to find out who she is and not just who she is through Dom's eyes. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I love The Rock's gigantic captured stamp that he just, whenever he closes a case, <laughs> he just has this comically large red stamp that just says captured. Also, if you'll note, yeah. he is very sweaty while stamping. He's stamping with great fervor. <laughs> oh, no, Mia, another baby is not going to fix this. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about Elsa's helmet hair. There, Oh, there's a lot more extra sounds in the car fully. So like the sounds of the cars driving. And I think that this kind of adds to the science fiction feeling of it too, is that there's just like a lot of extra like pew pew, <laughs> and like other weird noises. I have talked about it before, but I want to point it out again now is that I think one of the coolest, and again, not flashiest, but I think coolest scenes in terms of like the way that it's shot 
is that chase from the graveyard where it's Dom chasing after Deckard and there's no music. It's just the sounds of the cars. Like, yeah. that's so cool. I think that's so great. It feels real and it feels like just loud. Like, just these are the, the roar of the engine that you're hearing. Brian surfs on a car. Another mm-hmm. point break uh, connection. And Letty surfs on a car yes. on four. Yeah. Brian running up the bus as it falls off the side of the mountain. Oh, what a, such a great wonderful, scene. wonderful image that was. I just really enjoyed that whole Mad Max mountain situation. He needs to outrun the death. And he can, mm. but then actually dies in real life. I wonder if that scene, they ad- that had to have been a scene that was already in the movie. Oh, yeah. Right? He's, like, playing with death so closely here, like, more closely than he ever has. There's a YouTube video of, like, the the, the shots and the scenes that they CGI'd him on. And, like, once you see that, I think you can keep seeing it. But, like, it's not, like, entire thread through lines. I think they had probably had probably, at least what we've seen here, I think probably 90% of it done. But that doesn't mean that it was the 90% they were going to use. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been something yeah. entirely different. Brian is definitely... Definitely way closer to death in this one than any other movie for it to just turn out like this. Yeah. Like, normally, like, he's pretty, like, on the ground, right? Like, he's, like, doing stuff that's, like, risque, but it's never, like, he was about to die right there, like, over and over and over again. And he has no sense of his mortality in the other ones, I feel like. Whereas this one, he really is riding that razor's edge. And it's weird that he doesn't die in the movie. Given how much he's dealing with that mortality and given what we know about like what actually happened in real life, it's incredibly bizarre that he's not actually dead in the movie. You think it would have worked better if he did die? Yeah, I thought he died. Like, no, it doesn't can't. make sense that he's not dead. I don't know. This is just, I, I'm still processing that information. But some of my other notes, uh, daddy's got to go to work. Flexing out of the cast. Mm. Yeah, I loved that. That was really funny. But also, uh, in that little montage of him getting ready to go out and kick some ass, he stops and takes his pain medication. You know, as a person living with chronic pain, I always appreciate different types of representation of people managing their pain because we don't get a lot of them and a lot of them are overly simplistic that like either people are you know toughing it out and not taking any medication or they're abusing their medication and there's plenty of people in the world who take pain meds to be able to live their lives and are able to live lives because of their pain meds so just positive representation there he took the recommended dosage (laughs) he's under the supervision of a doctor like uh, he is he does seem to be signing himself out against medical advice however (laughs) he's under the supervision of a doctor these are prescribed to him and he's taking them as directed actually real quick so there's a point and a question i have about that sort of tangentially related number one the point I love this every time I see it. We've talked about it before. When Hobbs comes and saves the day and he saves Letty and Ramsey in the car, Ramsey looks terrified and she says, who is that? And Letty just says, that's Hobbs. She has no idea of who Hobbs is. And she just like, oh, I feel okay now. It's just like, that didn't that didn't help. <laughs> like, that's not an explanation. That's just like, oh yeah, that's the guy. He's like, okay. Not even like, that's our friend. Right. That's yeah. Hobbs. Oh, that's our friend. She's like, it's Hobbs. And she's Unless, like, like by in, in inventing God's Eye, she now knows everyone on planet Earth. And she's like... <laughs> she is not God's Eye in her brain. But also, she, yeah. if, if she was God's Eye in her brain, she would have been able to recognize This is a real Frankenstein's monster situation. Oh, boy. But, okay, the, the more important question is, what do you think, were you surprised 
Hobbs as father. And what do you think of Hobbs as father? I like Hobbs as father. This is the only Hobbs I've liked. Oh, good. We are going to get Hobbs as father in a big way. Hobbs as father. These next two movies. New daughter. Not the same actress. New daughter. That's fine. But Hobbs as father. And I actually actually have a very big sort of theoretical, philosophical question in the next movie. Not really important, but uh, just teasing that if I remember it. Yeah, Hobbs as father comes back in a big way. And I think we were teasing sort of a couple episodes ago, Joe. I think we were saying... Hobbs, you know, you're going to like Hobbs more. He becomes more of a fun, well-rounded character. He becomes a real person. Yeah, Yeah, he does. And he becomes a father that you like, unlike Brian, that's, like, trying to leave his child at any chance he can get. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not just trying to, like, leave Mia as a single mother forever. Mia, if you don't hear from me in the next, like, 12 minutes, just take Jack and never see me again. (laughs) Uh, Nah, 12 minutes might be generous. If you don't hear me in the next, like, four and a half minutes, just, like, I'm I'm good. Just, you know... (laughs) Do your thing. That'd be really badass. Oh, man. I've never thought that I might have wanted a child more than to just try that on Rachel, like, no. immediately when I got home. Like, Rachel, if you don't hear from me in five minutes, just take the kid and go. Ugh. Like, that's a really good fake out, right? Like, not like no. your dad went to the store. I don't know. You just I, give, no. Like, shit's going down. Take him and leave. And you're like, good. She's gone. I'm here. Empty house. I've never this wanted a child perfect. more until I had the idea of how to perfectly leave that child with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and have no responsibilities ever again is exactly what you said, basically. I mean, I meant to do the joke of it because I think that's funny. It's, yeah, not funny. Of, like, actually, <laughs> it's not funny. It's all. really funny. It is. Oh, boy. Yeah, five minutes. Take them and go. See you in never. See you no, in hell. It's, it's, you want to know why it's not funny? Well, it's not funny to me because, like, I am now at that age. Well, because I don't want kids at all. But, like, I'm now Same. at that age where, like, everyone around me is having them. Like, even people yep. who I thought. Shouldn't. Well, I, <laughs> I, your words, not mine. Uh, people who I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen to women who, like, the dude just can't hack it and just fucks off. And it's, like, so fucked up. Yeah. Well, you guys both should have thought about this beforehand. You know, Equally. life is and more complicated woman, than that. You should know that this guy's definitely going to do that. Oh, not saying no. that he shouldn't, he shouldn't it's not always like, man either. up and take care of it. And people do a lot of wishful thinking and magical thinking because they're yeah, in logical love. leaps. That Paul Walker Christmas movie that I watched, he's clearly an abusive spouse who has jealousy issues like he's gonna wind up murdering her at some point you know but she's in love with him so she keeps like trying to make it work and like she knows that this is true but she's just like gonna keep doing it like yeah it's dumb but we're all stupid idiots, you know? True. We can't Fair. judge that's people good point. for that. I, I know that I'm not built to be a dad. So, like, that's, like, everybody should know that. And well, warn yeah. everybody appropriately. It would be nice if that were true, but not everyone has that that uh, level of self-knowledge. Kara, any other notes? Any other thoughts about this movie? Edward Snowden and hacking, question mark? I was just mm. uh, curious about, like, uh, context and timing and when that all went down. People don't understand what hacking is. Every once in a while, like, comes up in the public culture and so i was curious about like where this movie fell in the context of a public conversation about hacking which i think i feel like was largely related to edward snowden even though he wasn't technically a hacker yeah snowden's the whole like his whole ordeal was in 2013 so if this oh okay so it's probably around the time when they're like working on the script and stuff so i think it would make sense yeah yeah and i think that they were like the audience for this isn't gonna kill us for how realistic the hacking is no it's not that i'm just always just curious like because i've been talking about like uh these movies as time capsules and like as products Ah. of their time so it was yeah it was 
was very relevant. And then the last thing that I have is that I'm pretty sure they use the take of Letty saying, I remember everything twice. She says, oh, I remember everything. And then, like, there's more crying and talking. And then <laughs> they use the, the same exact uh, take. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very the room of you. Very Tommy Wiseau of you. <laughs> Some other notes that I made, uh, Joe, very early on... When they're at Race yes. Wars, Dom tells Letty to keep it under 9,000 RPM. I was just like, oh, how we have traveled, Carol Shelby. Like, don't go above 7,000 now. Like, stay below 9? Like, who boy. <laughs> or over 9,000 Dragon Ball, you know? One thing that we have pointed out in this a couple times is that uh, we have the, the peerless acting abilities of Ronda Rousey in this movie, who's fine, except there's a couple... Like, I think she's not served she's well by bad generic good. action lines. But she's also just... Not she's bad at delivering good. the generic action lines yeah. as well. But we also have, in the beginning of Race Wars, we have Iggy Azalea. Is she playing herself, or is she just playing spectator? This is more of her playing herself. Okay. Because then my question, like, my follow-up... Like, kind of like Rita Ora type thing. Is what? Cardi B is playing, or is going to be in Fast and Furious 9, is she going to be playing Cardi B, or is she going to be acting in a role? I think she's going to be just like this. Yeah, her role in Hustlers was, like, not that... Like, she's acting, but it's, like, not that far off from... Iggy Azalea in this movie is credited as, quote, female racer. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, she's playing like a cameo of herself. Like it's everybody knows that that's what it is. So Cardi's going to be something like that. I I can if Cardi has more than four lines, I will shit myself. I don't think she will. Because like she's not going to be like like they're not adding her to the family. They should, though. I I think she'd make a great addition. I'll trade you. I'll let you put Cardi in if you kill two people off. You feel like there's too many clowns? No, there's just too many people. Yeah. In gen- it doesn't even matter like who, what characters you kill off, but you got to kill at least two. Yeah. But I feel like her and Tej one. would like vibe really well. I think Tej and Ramsey are like a thing, though. Oh well, yeah. I I don't mean like romantically. I just think that they oh. like as hip hop artists turned actors. Yeah, I was really excited to see Kurt Russell. Oh I yeah, as Mr. Nobody. Kurt Russell. I have a very soft spot in my heart because I watched Captain Ron nine thousand times as a child. So. Mm. It was exciting to see him. Well, he will be back in another movie or two, so uh, stay tuned for that. There's a scene where Dom and Mia are on the phone. Dom knows that Mia's pregnant, because Mia tells him pretty early in the movie. And then Mm -hmm. Dom says to Mia, how'd the buster take the news? And I love, in a world where it's just Dom talking to Mia that they call him the buster that they don't uh, he doesn't say how Bryant or how'd your guy or whatever he just says how'd the buster take like that just says so much about so many things and I love it that's an intimate look into the relationship that he has that he just calls her husband the buster and she's like oh, I don't know yeah it's not like how did Brian take the news or Bri yeah or just you know, or, like he can yeah. have like any nickname just, you, you didn't even say how'd he take the news but just how'd the buster take the news <laughs> this is the second movie in a row six and seven and also there's gonna be like a twist on it kind of an eight without being spoilery that a government man in the last movie Hobbs and this movie Mr. Nobody gets Dom like basically is able to play Dom like a fiddle by just saying exactly the thing he wants to hear so like in the last movie Mm. they've got Letty in this one I can get you Deckard Shaw it's like they know exactly the card to play and Dom is just so easily manipulated like he's so loyal in this one Dom has lost his mind he's a real he's struggling and I I feel like he's in a very vulnerable place and like is not quite as as grounded as he had been in previous movies therefore more susceptible to manipulation come back next week (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's that's just why we're not talking about it in that scene that we talked about the karaoke scene where Roman does the birthday thing and Tej says oh god no not the birthday routine right how many jobs have they pulled that we have not seen that he knows 
I guess at least once the, before. He does this Roman, all the time. I feel yeah. like also, like, this is just a thing that Roman does even when they're not pulling jobs. I think so, too. It's probably like a bar trick to Oh, yeah. wait. Also, are you going to ask me about Noni's That's Denise? That's what I just realized. Jesus. Question mark. <laughs> Noni's Denise? Question mark? We said to keep an eye out for it. What are your thoughts on Noni's Denise? Talk to us. Okay, so just give me some context about when they say Noni's Denise. They're planning the job. Roman is mad that he's not he's not the leader. Yes. And they're like, well, you're an idiot. You can't be the leader. <laughs> this is basically his way of saying to the audience, because he's basically acting to the audience like, are we going to point out that like this is insane? Like, this is crazy what we're doing, right? And then he yes. says, yeah. you wanted me to break into a police station? Fine. Then you asked me to stop a tank. I wasn't happy about it, but I didn't. Then you came up with this brilliant idea to shoot down one of the largest airplanes ever. I shot that shit out of the sky. Mm, it's nothing. But right here, my friend, happens to be the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. I think Tej says, I forgot that you were the only one to bring the plane down. Because Roman's telling this whole story. It's basically the Michael Pena in Ant-Man version of these movies. It's like, yes. I am in the center of everything. I am the most pivotal character. I'm the double mm-hmm. alpha. Without me, you would have done nothing. Sure, we're all the hero of our own stories. Exactly. Just True. Roman articulates it in a way that we the man on fire. often do not. He is. Tej says, I forgot you were the only one to bring that plane down. And then Brian says, no, no, the only thing I ever saw him take down was no knees Denise. Remember at prom? <laughs> and Roman says, really, Brian, you're going to do that right here? Tej laughs like he knows what's going on. Brian laughs. Yeah. Brian holds up two fingers, either like twice or peace or something. Uh-huh. Then they move on. And then that's right. when Mr. Nobody... I think it's two times. That's when Mr. Nobody says... I think says, it's like two times. Mr. Nobody's like, I can't believe... Like, I knew that you were the best, but, like, looking at the crew that you're dealing with, I'm surprised that you did any of this. Like, basically, how are you turning these lemons into lemonade? But right. that's okay. the basis. And that's literally the only time that Noni Sinise has been mentioned. And we've talked about her for probably 90 <laughs> minutes or two hours over these 60 episodes. So... Okay. That's it. You didn't miss much. Yeah, I just needed, like, a, a refresher on exactly who was saying what. Okay. So who do we think Noni's Denise is? So Noni's Denise is a real person. Okay. Because all three of them were in the second movie, right? Yes. They're out on the town. They're partying in Miami. You know, they're broing down. No, this is in high school. It's a prom. It says prom. No, 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 no. I'm saying this is the Noni's Denise origin story. And then in the the movie, it's an inside joke. Okay. Like it's a it's a callback to something that they did in real life while they were oh. shooting the second movie cuz they're out on the town of Miami, right? Oh, they wow. Are getting women. They're Fuck. doing their thing. No needs to That's Denise a theory that we along. didn't have. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. I knew god. it instantly. I was wow. like, oh, I know exactly who knows. That's why the reactions is. are so pure. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then they in the in the movie they retrofitted that it's an inside joke for for Brian and right. Roman. They have to somehow fit. But fit it's it in actually there. an inside joke for Paul Walker, Ludacris, right. and Tyrese. Because mm-hmm. Tyrese took home some presumably like hook up some girl less, less than like attractive an extra, woman. right? Like one of the extras was like Denise from the movie, or just like a woman on the town, right? Like just like somebody that they met. Yeah, either right. one. Yeah. Maybe she was. Where, if I had to guess, it's like probably somebody who doesn't have knees. But I would prefer to think of it as like a woman who was wearing strange pants that didn't have knees in them. What do you think the phrase "no knees, Denise"? Other than it, it rhymes because mm-hmm. we've heard, you know, she's. She's too heavy and like there's just like a straight leg down. She doesn't mm. give blowjobs. Like she doesn't kneel. She only right. gives blowjobs and she's worn out her knees. Like there's so okay. many. Like we don't have. Sure. Any... I mean, there's definitely some blowjob related content here for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what but I. But you think too. that it's just like weird apparel that does not show a knee. I don't think that that's actually <laughs> what it is. 
I have a new one, but now that's that we're my preferred. About it. Okay, that's my when I'm writing fanfic about, fic about this, it's like a weird pair of pants with a transparent panel around the knees. Maybe she's like a girl. To continue her theory, they met out, and she didn't do very well walking in high heels. So she didn't like <laughs> bend her legs, and yes. she just kind of like T Rex shuffled around, like more like the like the like the big step one, the big step like you swing the leg and wasn't using her knees, so she was no knees to knees. <laughs> love it okay so i love that that's a that's a fascinating that's a really great yeah wow that makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. and then we get the reaction from the last one where he was like had that big ass forehead and they have kind of the same like laughing reaction yeah and it's like so they clearly real yeah you know? okay yeah that's fascinating i love that okay that's really good so he definitely did make a shot at him okay i like it you blew my mind and that wasn't a theory that we've had yet no, so i amazing. like it a lot another note unrelated note i don't know where i can't, i feel like we just have to end not even just this episode just the podcast now because i feel like that is just such a revelation there's one scene and like they're talking about like they're i think it's the scene where they're overlooking los angeles right they're all lined up in a row and they're looking at the yeah. city i love this because they're talking to each other but no one's facing yeah. each other it's, they're all facing yeah the Love to have a team meeting in that formation. Right. Where are they standing that this makes any any remote sense? It's like, I guess at a guardrail overlooking Los Angeles kind of makes sense, but also no. But they're like, hey, it's our home turf. We're looking there, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It's fine. Why do they wind up back in Los Angeles? How do they get back because there? Because they, they want to be on, the other guy? They want home turf, home field advantage because they know that Shaw has sort of the technical advantage right. over them and so they want the like to be in their own yes. streets mm. and they know that they're gonna get followed so that's why they go there yes they basically want to know like how where they can sort of pull maneuvers like they do in five where they swap the va- the, the safe out right like they want to be like we know that there's a bridge here or whatever so that we can right. dodge the drone like if there's not that they know there's gonna be a drone not that they know there's gonna be a helicopter but like we know where things are so if shit hits the fan bail have safe houses everything yeah but there is so they're explaining the plan they break away and i think it's like dom and brian or dom and letty or someone they like come and the, the camera follows them closer it's like a more intimate conversation but as they transition from like group conversation to smaller conversation they're explaining the plan and ramsey says which car is the potato and roman says no you're the potato and i never heard that line before but i love it just know you're the potato which it, it she is i mean she's like moving from car to car yeah hot potato i love it it makes but sense. just know you're the potato i just love that line you're the potato i want to use that in context as like an insult to someone you just no, call somebody you're potato. The potato. and the only other note that i have in this movie when tej and roman are driving and roman says first a tank then a plane now we got a spaceship and tej says that ain't a spaceship that's a drone i was like is that the plain planet line, but, like, even worse? It is. It's, like, it is. it's not the it one is. thing, but it's the other thing. But these don't even have anything. Like, it's just, what is going on? It's, like, lazy kind of writing weirdly. Yeah. It's it's definitely, that's not a plane. It's a planet. It's, like, yeah. Joe, did you have any other thoughts, any other notes about this before we play a couple no, games? No, I brought them all up while I was talking. All right, then we have to play this Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. So find these tweets, and I will review last episode's tweets we did on our Tokyo Drift episode. We each found a person. So let's see what happens. See if we get any points. And we did the retweet trick, right? We did the like, retweet, and reply, okay? I found Irish girl at I love Gary Barlow underscore Paul Walker was amazing as Brian O'Connor in the Fast and Furious movies, but he had so many other great movies that are so underrated that he should also be remembered for. Some of my faves are Ours, Pleasantville, Eight Below, Brick Mansions, Bobby Z, and Into the Blue. Hashtag Paul Walker. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Of course not. Nothing. Zero. Nil. Damn. Joe, you found Miss at Muvavnin. 
Attention, Han from Fast and Furious. If you ever come across this tweet, just know that I still have a crush on you after all these years. Don't let this cat Avi fool you. I am very cute. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Podcast for you. Nothing. Carol, you found Jizzy Jake at just underscore seeks. We deserve a sequel to Tokyo Drift. So many unanswered questions. Is Sean still Drift King? Is he still in school? Is Neela still Reg? Question mark, question mark, question mark. All we know is that Bow Wow is still getting bullied. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. And I think maybe for the first time all lap, none of us got points. Bad showing. Bad, bad showing. I want to go. I want to go first. Go for it. I found a tweet. It was really recent, six minutes ago. Ooh. It's from Brad Mahomes, at Brad Mahomes. My top movies, in parentheses, top four, are in order. The rest are not. One, Logan. Two, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Three, Anchorman. Four, Captain America Winter Soldier. Five, Transformers. Shia movie. Six, John Wick. Keanu movie. Seven, The Fast and the Furious. Eight, Forrest Gump. Uh, Tom Hanks movie. Nine... <laughs> Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, and 10, The Dark Knight. So, boy, do we have a lot of podcasts for him. I'll just respond with the one, and that's a, that's a, that's a great tweet. This one. And you like List. He likes List, apparently. Yeah, yeah, this guy feels like firmly in our wheelhouse in many different ways. Right. Joe, I'm going to sort of take a page out of your book, but this, I, I, didn't, I didn't get it that way. But I found okay. Joe Zimmerman, Holidays Comedian, on Twitter, at Joe Zimmerman, the end of a decade, here in my top 10 Dwayne Johnson movies of the 2010s. Number 10, Rampage. Ooh. Number 9, Skyscraper. Number 8, The Fate of the Furious. Number 7, Jumanji. Mm. Number 6, Fast and the Furious. Number 5, Hobbs and Shaw. Number 4, Furious 7. Number 3, Central Intelligence. Number 2, Fast 5. Number 1, Moana. Boy, do we, do we have, have a podcast, a for, podcast you. for you. I actually found there's like this, presumably an Indian guy. I will show, I'll send you this tweet too. There's an image here, and I don't know who the image is of, and I can't read the text. Okay. It's just the movies in an order that he likes, which is close to the order that they came out with Tokyo Drift later. Actually, it's in chronological order, but it's not in reply to anything, but it's <laughs> app chronology <laughs> Samaji Hey. So it's something about in order, right? So Probably. I don't know who this person is. He's not. He's got zero Maybe followers. Maybe that's a really funny joke that we don't know. All right, Carrie, you just shared a tweet with us. Please share with the listeners. The tweet that you just shared with us. Uh, this is from Jay Holtham, at Jay Holtham. So today I got teary-eyed at Jennifer Hudson's performance in Cats and at the Paul Walker tribute at the end of Furious 7. Parenthetically, I lose it at the overhead shot of the car separating every time. And mm. parentheses, oh. this is my most on-brand day. Well, boy, Jay Holtham, oh. do we have a podcast. We have a podcast for, for you. you. Uh, I also appreciate the first reply from the man named Morgan Ellis at MC underscore Ellis. Memories of Jellicle family. I'm going to retweet that one too. I'm just going to respond to him too. I'm just going to say, boy, do we have a podcast for you. Well, that's a pretty solid showing, I think. I mean, again, these are, there's some that we find funny tweets that we don't think that they would actually like our show. But then there's ones like this where it's like lists, people who love movies. It's people who cry at movies. These are all the things. I was just about to say, people who cry at movies. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. All right, Carrie, we've got a couple more episodes where you can either guess with Joe or you can help me give clues. Do you want to guess or give for a Dude, what's my car from Justin Kleinman? How obscure is this car? It's a car that he bought. Like, I would like to try guessing, but I don't know shit about cars. 
So if it's like an obscure car, it's like forget it. Oh, also while we are um, talking about this, I went to the store and I bought duplex cookies. Shout out Justin. And yeah. when I first went to Target to buy duplex cookies, they did not have them. And then I went to Walmart to buy duplex cookies and they had them. This is maybe obvious, but also maybe also still surprising. It's crazy to me how different they taste depending on which side you bite. Like you bite <laughs> chocolate side down or chocolate side up. Like they mm, taste weird like, yeah, how true. different flavors have different flavors. In my mind, like it's just like you bite into a cookie that is like it's the two flavors in one, so it just becomes the one. But like yeah. the way that it all becomes one is wild. Wait, that the cookie crumbles. Let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the write up, Kara, and then you can help. You can decide for yourself if this is something that is obscure and you want to help me give the clue, or if it's okay. If it sounds common enough that you want to guess the clue or guess the car, okay? Mm-hmm. Justin says, since you're out of car picks, I bring one to you, my latest purchase. It's a truck, truck, here we go, that was brought to the market in 2006, which also happens to be the version I just bought. It comes standard with a uh, 3.5 liter V6 engine. Okay. Front wheel drive, on-demand four-wheel drive. It's also only available as a four-door crew. He says, I frequent the auto show every year, and I've made fun of the way this truck looks since it premiered, since I live in America, mm. and as Joe 2's friend says, I need to own a truck. We went shopping at a used car lot. We were looking at the usual stuff when my wife said, what's that? I told her they were stupid, but we looked anyway. Turns out they engineered the shit out of it, and a week later, we bought one. Since we bought it, Damn. we have all but stopped driving our stupid Prius. Sorry, Kara. Didn't mean to trigger you. How dare you? Which Not neither of us like. Prius. Its coolest feature is with the bed. He says the tailgate flips down like normal, but it can also swing open, revealing a huge secret trunk. This, they even put a drain in it so you can fill it up with ice and beer and tailgate with it, which is awesome. Very cool. He says the truck's still in production, although it lost its distinctive ugly look. So I'm going to guess. Question, is this a pickup truck? It has a tailgate. So. Yes. Well, so you said yes. I'm gonna say. Well, I what's an, what's not a pickup truck? Yeah. And this is not me making fun of you. This is me actually not n- not understanding enough about cars. I just mean like an open back. Yes. Yeah. It has yes. a truck bed and a tailgate. Okay. It looks wacky though, and has and has a it has a full cab. I don't think it looks dumb, but I can see why someone would think it looks dumb. I, it doesn't mm. look like you know how sometimes trucks are like the trucks either go for like probably generally three things like either like look badass look cool or just like it's all about function over form kind of yep this yep. is probably the third like it doesn't look cool but it doesn't really look dumb it just doesn't look like a cool like you're not swinging your dick around when you buy this truck is it is it an american truck or, or not no, american it is i believe japanese my uh very first thought before i confirmed that it was a pickup truck was a honda element yeah you are which very close similar time i was probably gonna guess a few honda years too. before that and my dad was trying to convince me to get and his his main selling point was that you could just hose down the back <laughs> of the inside. And I was like, Dad, why is that the number one thing about buying yeah, a car? You. Like, can I hose it down on the inside? And now, having worked in the floral industry, I'm like, damn. I get it. I wish I could hose down the back of the inside of my car. So, true. it is... Uh, a Honda. You are correct there. This one oh, is... I don't okay. forget what the truck's names are. They're, it's not a Pilot. That's the SUV. Right. It's not a... Rab- uh, sorry, it's not a CRV. I will say just right. that I don't get uh, corrected by anybody. This is a car made by the American Honda Motor Company. So it's okay. categorized by some as a lifestyle pickup. Yeah, it's, But it has a element. Honda insignia on it. And it's made by Honda, yeah. And it's one of What's only two pickup trucks currently produced by Honda Motor Company. The other being yeah, the Acti Mini Truck. Mini. Built using a unibody frame, a transverse mounted engine, and only available in a crew cab short box configuration with one powertrain. Oh, I 
duh, it's black. Does that help? Yes, no. definitely. No, what's the name of the Honda truck? I, I don't. I only know the SUV names. Not a, a Ridgeline. It is a Ridgeline. There we go. Nice. Oh, I got there truck. eventually. You guys, it's adorable. I love a tiny weird truck. I think I just found my Barbie dream car Ooh, on the mini truck. That's the top one is the one that he bought, and the bottom one shows the like where you can put the ice in the cooler for the beer and stuff, which is a great that's idea. Really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah, this does look wacky. I agree with him, but like it doesn't look dumb. It just doesn't look cool. I think is the, is a distinction. It's oh, it's I function. It's it all now. function, man. Yeah. I have a pilot that I love that Rachel loves. I have to look into this Ridge Line though. If he's sold on it, that's a pretty cool thing. And I do love that you could just use the whole tailgate as a cool, like the whole truck bed as a cooler. Like that's fucking awesome. I'm glad that you sent this in. Cool. You know what it reminds me of? Like, do you remember like the Pontiac Aztec that was that like, was the Breaking Bad? What part? I was thinking of while when he was describing, he was describing it. it. Yeah. Same. That's the Breaking Bad exactly. car, right? That's the one that Walter yes. White drives yes. and keeps breaking the windshield. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you, Justin, for sending in. I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think we have exhausted all of our car pictures to guess. So if you're out there and you like this game, we've got two more episodes this lap for Cara to guess. We've got the Fate of the Furious and the Hobbs and Shaw episodes. Email in car pictures. you got two weeks to get one in, and then four weeks to get one in for Hobbs and Shaw, so that's going to be very exciting. Do that, please. Any other thoughts, Cara, about Furious 7 before we come back in two weeks to talk about Fate? Nope. Cool. And Joe, any other thoughts? No. Congrats on Justin's new car. It's a really cool pick. Very, very cool. If you are listening, remember Remember, next week we are doing the Fast and Furious Spy Racers Netflix series that just launched, dropped today as we're recording this. It's an animated Mm -hmm. series. Go check that out, Spy Racers, over on Netflix. And we'll come back in two weeks for Fate of the Furious. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast, Too Forever.com. In the opening to this episode, we would do the, a whole rundown of what you get over there, including the newest mm-hmm. perk at the $25 tier. If you want to splash the pot around a little bit, you can join us on an episode and do the character personality game, which, mm-hmm. Carrie, you're going to be doing again on that wrap-up episode. So we're going to do your rankings, your thoughts about the series as a whole, and also you're going to do the character quiz again. So very exciting stuff All right. on this Real Lab Recap. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And I am Carrie Gale O'Regan. We'll see you next week right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. 